Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good Friday. morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, the one, the only. Pro football Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, along with Randy Carricker. It's great to have you along for the next three hours at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, CD. How you doing? I'm doing well. Today's a, a great day, right? Today is a, a very big day. We're very excited about uh, traversing this entire show. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. Happy 2-3-23-23-23 Michael Jordan Day in America. It is a wonderful day. Yeah, it really Yay. is. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, Michael the greatest, Jordan day. greatest player. Talk about goats. <laughs> greatest of all time. It's interesting. Wait, Rock, have you never heard that song? Not since I was a very young. He child. was trying. He was like he was bobbing his head like yeah, I, I know like, this, I was and like, he was like, what, I was like, what, what is this? And then I heard, it, I was like, oh, <laughs> now it makes sense. <laughs> Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That's like so, a lullaby. My parents played for me in '93 or something. They okay, were great parents you had. I'm so, telling you, CD. I got to tell you something. 1996 football season. The St. Louis Rams go to Chicago the next day on Sunday. Uh, before this Saturday night that I'm going to re- describe, <laughs> Tony Banks, the quarterback of the St. Louis Rams, got thrown out of a game. What? Got thrown an out NFL of a NFL game? An NFL quarterback got thrown out of an NFL game. Well, what happened there? <laughs> a little brawl. I think he might have thrown a pro- punch. Oh. But this is, uh, so this is 95-96, okay? No, it's I'm sorry, 96-97. And I think they went, I know they went, for the Bulls, 41-1. and at home, they went forty-one and one. At home, not bad. They played the Miami Heat the night that I went there that November in nineteen ninety-six. Dan Marley, Dan Mar, Thunder Dan, Thunder Dan, Thunder Dan hits a buzzer-beating game winner. Oh, at one of the two times I ever saw Michael Jordan, <laughs> and the only time I ever saw him in Chicago. Wow. <laughs> So you would be I, the blame. The loss. You, you're the one yeah. to blame for the loss. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great, great season. Did you ever see him guys. in person? Uh, yes, I saw. I was 13. I feel like we went and watched him play. Um, I want to say in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. uh, playing the Pacers. But uh, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, 
I think that may have been the one and only game that I saw. I know we went to Chicago. I don't think we went to uh, a basketball game in Chicago when I was that age. But I think we went to Indianapolis and saw them so play. Cool. It so was cool. it was great memories, man. Rock, you, you you missed out on a great time for basketball. Yeah, you're just talking I don't about. Know what you're talking about. I'm I'm living in a pretty good time for basketball. Eh, it's it's okay. the best time though. <laughs> what, what what you missed out on with all the guys that are scoring fifty points? It was a rarity back when Jordan played. Not. Guys just didn't score 50. Yeah. And you'd be sitting down first quarter, and somebody else in your house, you'd say, you got to see this. Yeah. you got Because we aren't going to see this again, and we haven't seen it again. No. I mean, the only person that, that makes people, I think, sit down and stop what they're doing is Steph. When he's hitting mm-hmm. those shots yeah. the way he is, you, you just go and say, hey, he, he's on fire. Let's sit down and watch. So happy Michael Jordan Day. Happy Mike G. Yeah. We've Day. got our best families of all time bracket. Continuing today, and we're going to uh, bring you the baseball bracket today, correct, Matthew? Yes, sir. Tweets will go out here in just a moment. The football bracket is done. The Manning family just clobbered the Boses 97.6% to 2.4%. So the Mannings advance along with the Kelseys. Recency bias here. We don't blame you for recency bias. 63.2% for the Kelseys, 36.8% for the Sharps. And by the way, all four of those players should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Shannon and Sterling should be. Jason and Travis uh, probably will be. So that's not a disaster, as far as I'm concerned, that the Kelseys won. I just think that it should have been closer, that's all. So the Kelseys will play the Mannings in the next round. The Longs took care of the Matthews family, 73.6 to 26.4. And the Watts trampled the Barbers, 83-7 to 16-3. So it'll be the Longs and the Watts in the next round. <laughs> Woo, man, you've got some pass rush there, don't you? Yeah, Holy yeah. cow. I think we kind of expected that to go that way. I'm yeah. surprised that anybody voted for the Bosas. They must be related to them. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, they, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's got to be the only yeah. people that voted for them. So the baseball families today, you've got the number one seed Bonds family against the Aloos. They're the number eight, and you've got uh, I mean, or no, you've got Maddie Alou, Felipe Alou, and Jesus Alou, and then the little-known fourth Alou brother, Boogaloo. Okay. You also can't can't forget, technically, Luis Rojas. He goes by a different last name, but that he's 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 a son of the original Lou, so the Rojas's are included. That'll get him some votes against the Bonds, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, the, the number two seeds, <laughs> the Griffies, taking on the uh, fielders Cecil and Prince. The number three seed, the DiMaggio family, led of course by Joe and Dom. They take on the Alomars, who have Hall of Famer Roberto, and mm-hmm. then Sandy who was a, a stud catcher for a long time, and then the four or five matchup and. And it'll be interesting, but it's here in St. Louis, uh, and this is bound to be a blowout, but it's the Guerreros with Hall of Fame dad Vladdy and MVP son Vladdy Guerrero Jr. against the Molinas, led by Yachty, of course, Benji, yep. a broadcaster here in St. Louis, and Jose, and all world champion catchers. So that's the way things are going to shake out today for the poll, and we want you to go to the Twitter machine. Matthew's going to put it up on his uh page in a moment, Rocky SPN. Carrie and I will retweet it and you'll be able to vote actually throughout the course of the day and then we'll return to this tomorrow here on 101 ESPN. The Cleveland Cavaliers took care of the Memphis Grizzlies last night here on 101 ESPN and Memphis, thought by many to be a team that would wind up in the finals. Now they're 12 games over 500. But their losing streak has re- reached epic proportions after Cleveland beat them last night, 128 to 113. 
Are you concerned about a team? And by the way, people were thinking New Orleans in the West, too. But Memphis, after last year, seemed to be a team that was an absolute legitimate threat. CD, are you concerned about the Grizzlies, who are still, to their credit, second in the West, but they have lost uh, seven of their last ten? I am... I mean, you have to be concerned when they're they're performing their well. You, you forgot to mention the the scuffle between Donovan Edwards, I mean uh, Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. and um and and Dylan Brooks. They were uh, Dylan Brooks is a guy that you know everybody that's in the NBA is not a great hooper. Like hoopers, mm-hmm. no hoopers. Dylan Brooks is an effort guy, and and he does some things. Him and Grayson Allen could be great teammates. Uh, it, two on two versus them two, you might not make it out uh, without a, a missing tooth or or you know a <laughs> kneecap. He biting kneecaps and all of those things. Um, the Grizzlies are just not not playing well. They had a, a an issue with Shannon Sharp. We were talking about Sharps earlier. They had an issue with Shannon against the Lakers, and they, they've only won one game mm-hmm. since then. Uh, I guess I'm concerned because I think, you know, last year with Ja missing so many games, they were still playing well. And right now, with him in the lineup, you, you can't lose seven out of out of your last nine or seven out I think seven or eight out of your last nine or ten. Yeah. It's that's not good for, for your, your season and trying to and they were the number two seed just a couple of weeks ago. They're gonna be continue to yeah. fall down if they don't if they don't write the, get this going in the right direction. Here's the way it sounded last night here on 101 ESPN. Because remember Mitchell was in the uh, was in the West with Utah. So they've seen each other a lot. Mitchell threw the ball and then came up and shoved him and then threw him down. Clearly to me, Mitchell was the aggressor just by looking at it initially. The broadcast they're missing the fact that Brooks, when he rolled over, pretty egregiously punched yeah. Donovan Mitchell in the groin. And here's Donovan Mitchell after the game. We think. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's just who he is. You know, we've seen it a we've seen it a bunch in this league with him. Um, him and I have had our personal battles for years. Um, quite frankly, I've been busting his ass for years. Uh, playoffs, regular season. You know, in the one game he does a high job on me today. You know, he decides to do something like that. And, you know, that's, there's no place in that in the game. And, you know, you got to protect yourself at the end of the day. But He's not wrong. Listen, Randy, all bets are off when you hit a man in a certain mm-hmm. area. Yep. I told you I was playing a game against the Cleveland Browns and a, and a man underneath the pile reached right in that region and mm-hmm. grabbed the grabbed my mm-hmm. thigh. The, the, uh-huh. But okay. right there, it, uh-huh. it was close enough that it was it was egregious. Then I grabbed said man's hand and I held on until I could figure out whose whose hand this belonged to. And I told him some words, Randy, that I am not ashamed of telling him. <laughs> and, and if I were to see him today, I would tell him the same because you don't grab a man there and you don't hit a man there. You don't. Okay, so I got to ask this question. At what point did your we, – we've got five senses. We've got hearing. We've got touch. We've got taste. Uh, one of our, our senses is sight. At what point after he did that did your sight come back from being just blackout? <laughs> I, I couldn't see. All I could do <laughs> was I grabbed his forearm and just and held on to it until all of the bodies unpiled. And then I locked eyes with him and I said, I am going when this is over or even if I even before it's over, I'm going to do something harmful to you, sir. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. When I get my chance, it's it's going to be a problem. I want you to have my back, man. I do. I do. The Billikens have a big one tonight against VCU over at the Chaffetz Arena. It's a 6 o'clock tip-off. 
Tickets available, and this is a big one. So we need we need a big crowd tonight over at Chaffetz Arena. Tickets available, just go to slewbillikins.com. Tickets are priced great. Billikins are still in first place in the conference. Well, they're, they're a half game out. They haven't played enough games. But this is a game for first place in the A-10. And this is a team, CD, that we, we talked about. They need to probably win the AT, A-10 tournament to make an NCAA bid. But they're good enough in this mm-hmm. conference, A, to get the double bye, and B, to win the A-10 tournament and get that NCAA bid. Yeah, you want to you want to take care of business. Obviously, this is a, a big matchup going for the number one ranking in the in the conference. Uh, took a tough loss to Fordham at Fordham a couple of days ago, uh, but it's an opportunity. You're going to have two opportunities against VCU in the next month that you can that you can take care of this business. You're at home for this one. You want to take care of this and make sure you play well. Don't turn the ball over. Hit your free throws. Those have been some of the things that that we've talked about with this team. Um, and just make sure you're playing sound defense. And if you do that, you have a chance to win the game. Uh, hockey note, Vladimir Tarasenko will participate in the accuracy competition tonight at the NHL All-Star Game in South Florida. It starts at 6 o'clock, airs on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Good luck to Vladdy in having the most accurate shot in the National Hockey League. I, I was reading Jeremy Rutherford uh, the other day. He he tweeted about Vladdy, and Vladdy was talking in third person. I, I actually, there is something about people that speak in the third person that I, I tend to like. He says, <laughs> yes, obviously, uh, Vladdy, <laughs> this is Vladimir Tarasenko speaking. Yes, obviously, yes, because even Vladdy don't know the future of Vladdy. There are only a, there is only one guy who knows more than me, and his name is Doug Armstrong. I, I am a fan. I've never had the the. I guess the, the I think there's a level of greatness you have to have to speak in the third person, and I think when you are able to do that, I, I like it. I, I enjoy when people speak about themselves. Yeah, Carrie don't know. Hey, Carrie, Carrie couldn't tell you anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe Carrie will tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> you know who was the king of that was Ricky Anderson. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky. Yes, you have to be elite. To be a, a to be a third person talker, so, it's something about it's something wired in their brains that allows them to just. I may start. It may have a segment where Kerry just talk the way Kerry want to talk. One time, <laughs> at a uh, Major League Baseball Players Association meeting for the A's, I believe, down in Arizona, the MLBPA representative is telling the players about the rules in place: who can be sent to the minors, who can't, who can be cut, who can't. And he says, "Now, if." They want to send you to the minors. They can if you have options left. That is, unless you have tenure. And Henderson says, tenure? Hell, Ricky got 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's awesome. (laughs) Okay, one more for you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers playing in a golf tournament, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am on CBS. uh, Colt Nost, who Rodgers is playing with, asks Rodgers, hey, you got any news you want to share with us? Rodgers smiled, paused, and said, I'm not going to San Fran. Yeah. So he knows that. I guess San Francisco has determined that they're, and maybe this is why he said it, they're going with their guys. That that is, well, we'll see how this pans out for them. I I don't Mm -hmm. know if if it's going to work well for them. Uh, You got two guys coming off of injury. Maybe they are both healthy. Maybe you have something. Uh, I know Brock Purdy is 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 an outstanding football player. We don't know enough about Trey Lance; just haven't seen enough. But both coming off of injuries, we'll have to see uh, which one or if either is able to to lead that franchise to a 
NFC Championship game and potentially a Super Bowl. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. We're off and running here on this Friday edition. This is Michael Jordan Day edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. 23. 23-23. 23-23. What else could it be but Michael Jordan Day? Uh, Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Kylie McDaniel is a friend of the show and obviously an analyst for ESPN.com. Keith Law of The Athletic has the Cardinals as the ninth best farm system in baseball. We'll touch on that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With all these young position players, uh, there's so many of them that I think once you get a full season, season and a half of a guy doing what you think he can do, to then approach, you know approach him and his representation and be like, all right, there's three or four guys here that we really believe in long term. Let's see if we can lock them up to terms that make sense for us. Uh, and I think you know the same way with the rotation. There's there's almost there's like not really an ace, but there's a ton of really good players. And so I think locking some of those guys up, trading the the other ones, and then filling in some holes and maybe getting that extra you know four or five six win player to add to Arenado and Gold to try to get over the hump and really make a run at the NL that I think, you know, being scared of Atlanta and the mess of the Dodgers and the Padres is, is pretty scary. you got to take one more step, and I think this group of young players will be the key to making that step. That's ESPN.com's Kylie McDaniel joining us yesterday in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. He has five Cardinal prospects in his top 100 in all of Major League Baseball, and pretty much universally, CD, the Cardinals are being rated as having A, great minor leaguers, and B, which is amazing for a team that always wins and usually goes to the playoffs, most ratings have their entire farm system rated as a top 10. Mm-hmm. And if this works out, and by the way, this isn't the Cardinals doing this, these ratings. This is independent people. This is Keith Law from The Athletic, who used to work in the Blue Jays front office. Kylie McDaniel was part, he was just talking about the Braves and the Cardinals maybe taking a page out of the Braves book by signing a bunch of their young players to long-term contracts. He was part of the Braves drafting all these guys that have been signed to long-term deals. And then obviously the people at MLB Pipeline who have come over from Baseball America and Baseball America. So there's four independent entities that have listed the Cardinals as a top 10, top 11 farm system. And I take a lot of heed in in what they say. I I don't see the players. These guys go out around America and watch these players play. Yeah. There are, I mean, when you look at what the Cardinals have done, um, just the names that are are being spoken of, top five, top 100 prospects, one of the better ones in, in Jordan Walker. And then what he spoke about Mason Wynn, he had him ranked extremely high based on his value, you know, his athletic ability, which the way that the game should be changing mm-hmm. now. Yep. And, be and playing premium. shortstop, right? Yeah, and playing shortstop, the game, there should be a premium on people that are athletic and can and, and can make plays in the hole and, and can have use their speed when they get on the bases. I think the thing that is interesting about the Cardinals and their farm system, I think we're looking at a team that – if all of these guys, now you, you maybe not all of them pan out, but you, let's say seven out of ten or, mm-hmm. or six out of ten pan out, you're looking at the the future of the Cardinals. You got, I mean, I, I don't know if Yvonne Herrera gets an opportunity now with Wilson being here, but you, you got some time, and you got Matthew Libertor, you got Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Gordon Graceffo. You have all of these names that are top prospects, and you got Alec Burleson who is on mm-hmm. the roster now. You could be seeing 
kind of the the transformation of this team from where they are and, and moving some of those guys out of the out of you know out of the starting rotation and out of the starting lineup to where some of these younger guys are getting more at bats, more opportunities, you know, and more more starts if they're starting pitcher to where you could be looking at the future of this Cardinals organization. It could be right here in front of you, and we're not even recognizing it or realizing it at this point. And one of the interesting things to me about the rankings of the Cardinal system is that they have players from an age and experience standpoint. Maybe they shouldn't still be in the minors, but within the last 24 months, people like Dylan Carlson have been considered a top prospect. Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, yeah. uh, Burleson, who you mentioned is on the roster. You've got a lot of talent that's already here that aren't prospects anymore. Here's what, and, and I bring that up because of this. We we talk about Walker, Wynn, uh, Libertor, Graceffo, but here's what Keith Law wrote, and he's looking a little bit deeper. The Cardinals' 2020 draft included two extra picks from the competitive balance lottery and from losing free agent Marcelo Zuna, and they may have had an epic draft class that year, with the top three picks all in his top 100. Alec Burleson, already in the majors, and Ian Bedell, still one to watch now that he's back from Tommy John surgery that cost him almost all of 2021 and 2022. There's some depth elsewhere in the system, and some back-end starter or leverage reliever types, and some catching, but it's definitely a more top-heavy Cardinal system that I'm used to seeing. Who's talking about Ian Bedell? Right? Not, not having, that's the first time I've heard his name. <laughs> and we don't talk. Yeah. You've brought it up over the course of the last week because we kind of don't think about Gomez or Alec Burleson yeah. because of the other guys. Yeah. So there's, and with the talent you already have up at the major league level, I, I think it's going to be exciting to watch. I don't know if they'll be as good as the Padres, if they'll be as good as the, the Dodgers, if they'll be as good as the Mets, but I think from our vantage point here as Cardinal fans, it'll be interesting to watch these players evolve. It will. I mean, you have so many young, talented guys that are on the roster. Juan Yepes is, is he, first year last year. Brendan Donovan. You got guys that are, even Tommy Edmond, he's only in his fifth year uh, of his career. Mm-hmm. You're still relatively young in terms of, of experience on the field. And then you're looking at as I said, uh, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, you know, all of these younger guys coming up, Alec Burleson, you got the pitching staff. And and so there is a chance that when when I don't know how much more time Goldie has. I, I don't want to put a clock, a time clock on his on his career. I, 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 he's 35 right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're looking at <clears throat> excuse me, a three year, four year window where you're still getting the best of him at that time. Those younger those younger players should have evolved into what they can, what they should be, and what they will be. And now you're looking at a franchise that, I, as much as we get frustrated with the Cardinals for for not winning the world championship every single year or, or being ousted in the first round of the playoffs and, and not, you know, having sustained success throughout the entire uh, uh, playoffs, they, ha- they are one organization that does it the correct way. They don't overspend. They do a great job with their farm system, and they do a great job of evaluating and scouting guys and making sure that they fit the mold of what Cardinals uh, baseball is. There's one issue I have when we talk about these prospects, when we talk about this roster. The Cardinals put a great deal of stock, investment in money and time, into international signings. And they've clearly been able to identify talent down in international areas. And by the way, Miles Michaelis counts as an international signing. But a Rosarena, Adolis Garcia, uh, 
Sandy Alcantara. The, the Cardinals, to me, aren't getting the value out of the international signings that other teams are. The Dodgers have eight of the top 100 <laughs> prospects. Keith Law has the Dodgers listed as the number one system in baseball, in large part because of international prospects. Cleveland does a very good job with that. Uh, Arizona has done better. Tampa Bay, even though they've traded a lot of their guys away, they do a great job of evaluating international guys. That's the one place where I think that there's kind of a hole in the way the Cardinals do their business because they spend a lot of money, but we don't see the production from those players at the major league level. And that that could be an issue. I think one team that we talked about last year that did really well in the international signing was the Houston Astros. They they did a a spectacular job of finding guys that may have not been 17 or 18, maybe just a little bit older, but still able to perform and and play well. And you saw what that resulted in, a world championship. So you do have to hit on – I think there are – they're hitting on their on their their prospects, you know, nationally here. The the young guys that are in the farm system. If you want to be elite, obviously you want to hit on every single person that you you're, you're going after or potentially evaluating. And you know, sometimes there's going to be a, a you're going to miss, but you mm-hmm. can't have multiple misses and drastic misses. One more point here: in the last four years, the Cardinals have traded eight minor league or young players to get Goldschmidt and Arenado. For Goldie, you trade Andrew White, who isn't there anymore. You traded uh, Carson Kelly, who hasn't turned out to be that great, and Luke Weaver, who's not there anymore. And then you had a group of people that really have not worked out at all for the right to to get Nolan Arenado from Colorado. So even though the Cardinals lost eight guys that they kind of liked, at at the very least kind of liked, you still have the the system and the numbers that you have, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like I said, the, the what I see or what I've heard, I am going to be excited until I am proven or shown otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this this these young guys and and I talk about it all the time, Randy. It's it's there is a fine window for you yep. to be a championship team, and your best players have to be your best players. You have to have something from younger guys, and then you have to have timely plays from guys that are, Shaq talks about it all the time, others, that it is a real, you have your stars, you have your bus drivers, you have guys that are leading the charge, and then you got guys that, hey, we need you in this moment to make this play, and and then we have, and if we can have young stars on the rise, that only helps our organization and helps extend that championship window. And if you need a number one starter at the trade deadline, you trade some prospects for a number one starter. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. It's 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to ask Jay Delsing about the Pebble Beach Pro-Am and uh, how fun it has been in the past. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way. 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber says, 
St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. up for the best baseball family ever. It's the greatest sports family of all time bracket here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Just go to Twitter. I have retweeted it at Randy Carricker and Matthew and uh, Carrie both have it up at their Twitter accounts. We go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and we were negligent in not including the Delsing family in the greatest sports families of all time. Jim Delsing, Jay's dad, a, a longtime major leaguer and Jay, of course, one of the preeminent golfers of his time. Jay, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, guys. Good morning. Hey, sorry about that. Yeah, do apologize. Our bad. <laughs> Whatever. I, I, I'm. Uh, I don't. I, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad you guys are still calling me on Friday morning. <laughs> hey, we we want to start with this. Carrie and I were just watching the Jordan Spieth shot at number eight at Pebble Beach. Have you ever had that shot? Boy, you know, I had the, the, the real fortune of playing there 26 years in a row, Randy, and I never have had that shot. But I have hit it in that. Uh, that part of the Barranca Ocean, whatever. I think I've been about everywhere you can be at Pebble Beach. <laughs> there, there are some days out there, guys. I played in the 92 U.S. Open out there where I was on Sunday. I was four under after seven holes and the wind kicked up and I wound up shooting 76. And I think it was one of the lower scores of the day, um, the year that Tom Kite won. So the Pebble Beach is, it, it's really not super, super hard if the wind doesn't blow. And then when the wind blows, Oh my gosh! You, there, there are certain shots you just can't hit. Hey Jay, the phrase "drive for show, put for dough." Tell me why that is right or why it's wrong. Well, it, it used to be, Kerry. We used to say uh, "drive," yeah, "drive for show, put for dough," because Did I say it wrong. Mm-hmm. We, you got it right. Oh. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we thought that that was the that that, that was you just it was just kind of um, all hype to to be able to hit it far. Um, and, and you really made your money when you with your putter. But with the advanced metrics and the things that Scott Fawcett and the Decade Golf uh, team has come out with and, and, and helped us understand, it's, it's all about power. You need to hit the ball and crush it as far as you can. And um, uh, the, the game isn't played the way we thought it was. We, we thought that, um, that basically – there are there are great putters on the PGA Tour. There's no question about it. But nobody putts nearly as well as they thought they did. And you just need to get yourself as many birdie opportunities as you can. And over the long haul, some of them are going to fall in. Hey, Jay, we mentioned and you mentioned that windy day at Pebble Beach. Do you have another strong memory that stands out for you in your experience there? 
Oh my gosh, I got to play with Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. oh man, it was insane. It was terrifying actually because all, we had probably ten or fifteen thousand people following our group. This is when LT was, you know, he had the earring. The, and I mean, he was a beast of a man. He was just put together like very few people I'd ever seen on the golf course before. And he just wasn't comfortable playing golf in front of all these people. And so not that we ever had huddles, but you know, you get on the tee and there's four of you and a couple of caddies and it seemed like a huddle and he would come in there and he was, I'm not exactly sure everything that he said, but he wasn't happy. <laughs> he was kind of, he kind of had this, this kind of slow burn that by the time we got on the back nine, I'm like, he's going to kill one of these guys. You know, so many people asking for an autograph. He's going to take him down. He's going to tackle him. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's not going to be pretty. Jay, we were talking earlier about uh, players that speak in the third person, and Randy was giving his Ricky Henderson stories. And I was, I said that that most people that speak in third person that are athletes are, you know, top tier athletes. They only see it one way. You know, you, you don't want to be around them too long because they're they're self-absorbed to a point. Have you been around any of those guys that are third-person talkers and, and you just have those conversations with them and figure out, what the hell am I sitting here talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, guys. Uh, the, the late, great, and dear friend, Payne Stewart, a fellow Missourian, used to talk in the third person. And he'd give these interviews and they'd say, I think Payne, he'd say, I think Payne Stewart's playing pretty well. you got to remember, guys, Payne was a great player that really had a tough time winning Initially, he'd get big leads and he just did not figure out how to win straight away on the PGA Tour. And he would he would say, I think Payne Stewart's playing pretty well. And, you know, we we'd all hear this. And when he'd come back, you know, in the locker room, oh, man, it was brutal. We just let him have it. We're like, oh, uh, the, the Payne Stewart's in the room, you know, and, we, and, and he would look and smile because he was he had much more. He had this thing pretty pretty well calculated out. Guys, he, we used to give him grief. He would get voted the best-dressed golfer every year, and he'd wear these ridiculous knickers, and they'd have these big, stretchy nylon socks. And, guys, we all traveled with it. It's a, it's a circus, right? you got a lot of luggage. Your golf clubs and pain took it to a different level. He had luggage for his shoes. He traveled with, like, 14 pair of shoes. I'm like, dude, you got two feet. How many, how many outfits you wear in this week? But he, he got paid ridiculous amounts of money. Remember By Randy, the NFL, when he right? wear the NFL. He's, he's like, he's wearing the NFL. But what it did for him, for, because he became extremely popular and then started winning and a, a Hall of Famer major championship winner, it provided him, you guys, a uniform so that when he wore jeans and a T-shirt to go out to have dinner, no one knew. No one knew he was bald. <laughs> That's no one a great knew that point. he was bald, and you know because wow. he wore his little Kangol hat. That was also part of his uniform. And then when he got to, to such uh, so much attention, he was getting paid for every part of those uniforms too. And whenever we'd give him grief about the best dressed golfer, he would re- remind us what this uniform was doing for him and we were all kind of jealous yeah. so and if the tour is in detroit he's got lions gear if it's in arizona he's got cardinals gear if they're playing pebble beach it's niners or, or raiders gear it was really uh, down in uh, south florida he's got dolphins gear it was amazing and what a great partnership that was oh my, oh my gosh randy it really was i mean and there were so many people that would come out to just watch it, look at his, the clothes that he wore. He was an elegant golfer. He had a beautiful, his rhythm 
was outstanding, and and he was he was really fun to watch, and and a massive character back in the really really a fun guy to be around. Hey Jay, before we ask you about the show on Sunday, our mutual friend Joe Buck has a a piece up on a, a little video on the the Instagram where he got his new tailor made. It's uh, it's called Forgiveness Driver, and uh, Joe's got enough golf clubs for God's sakes. But it, it is <laughs> it, it is amazing how he, he he said to the to his boys, maybe Mama let me play a little bit more golf this year, but. It is amazing, year to year, and we had Dave Kohlberg from Callaway on the other day, how these companies with their R&D do make a better club every single year. Well, they sure as hell market it that way, Randy. Yeah. I, 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 um, I, I'm amazed. So when, they, when it all started with Eli Callaway and the great Big Bertha, and, and I, again, I'm going to age myself here, but then it was the greatest Big Bertha. Then it was like, you know, Big Bertha's older sister, younger sister coming out, and they would release a new club every quarter or something. And and it was, I, I got to tell you, every single one of the new clubs, to your point, has a characteristic that the other one didn't have. And they're just making it so much easier. It's so much more forgiving. And I don't know about Joe getting Michelle to get him to play more golf. I think he plays a little bit now. I know. I don't know if he can play anymore. He got to, he's got to join the tour. <laughs> you got to work every once in a while, Joe. Exactly. Hey, what do we got coming up on the show on Sunday? Guys, this, this month of February, I'm doing a, um, a, a little thing on the teachers in the area. We have Bobby Pavalonis, but Danny Mack, our good buddy Danny Mack and I are starting a new podcast in March. Um, and we interviewed David Faraday about going to live. And so I drop about five or six bits from, from Faraday in on living. And, and um, oh, my gosh, David Faraday, he doesn't disappoint. So um, we got a little David Faraday and a little Bobby Pavilonis this, um, this week coming up. Love it. Looking forward to it. And we'll be tuned in. Jay Delsing, have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself. And we always love having you on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. See you. That's the great Jay Delsing joining us here on 101 ESPN. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. That is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO! On this. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. It is 2323 Michael Jordan Day on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Broadcasting from the Car Shield Studio, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it.
Carrie, Randy, and Matthew with you. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. That would, that would be if you use the letters on your phone. 314-399-YO-HO! Okay, CD. We've got the unbelievable move in the finals against the Lakers. We've got the shot that ended the Utah hopes in 98, ended the series. We've got the dagger against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've got the flu game. Take it or leave it. The shrug against Portland is an all-time top five Michael Jordan moment. Uh, Randy, I, I was in, I still remember this. I think I was in Kansas City in a hotel watching that game and watching him do that because he didn't shoot threes. No, right, he, he, right, they, right. This was not with Steph Curry. I think he was six for six on his first threes, first six threes or something like that. And and he shrugged like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, it's news to me just like it is to you. It was one of those. You know what I'll put up there, though? The the upward right hand to the left hand versus the Lakers. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was move, yeah. That, yeah, that one was, was spectacular. But, no, nah, the, the shrug, eh. Yeah, it was that was top, that was special. Top, top five, I think. Oh, definitely. And by the way, the even though they didn't win, and he, I think, might have shot five for twenty eight, but just the the return in Indiana from the oh, retirement. Yeah. yeah, I mean that had America entranced. It it everyone was glued in. Yeah. Everyone, had, and then his next game, he put up the fifty five versus the Knicks. Yeah, in the in the Garden, like that was. That to me was that's when basketball was alive. Awesome. It was it was amazing. When he came back and we'll get Bob Costas on to tell this story. He's told it on our air before. But he comes back on a Sunday. Bob is here in St. Louis and he announces on Saturday that he's coming back and NBC calls Bob and says, "Hey, we're going to move this game. I think they had like a Knicks something. They, they yeah. didn't even have the Bulls on." And so Bob has to drive over to uh Indy and he drove over on Sunday morning because they called him late on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Said we're moving everything. He gets there, and you know Bob, he turned in the most immaculate open that brought tears yeah. to your eyes that you yeah. could ever imagine. And it was just Bob being Bob. Yeah. It was so perfect, and you couldn't have had that. You got the best basketball player of all time. You've got the best broadcaster of all time on TV. It was just amazing. It was a special time. I, I, and the and the newspaper just I'm back. Yeah, with the with the back of his jersey. It was it, it, those were were times to remember. Randy, uh, I'm looking at this Cardinals outfit, and we've been trying to figure out. You know who's going to be the the three outfielders? Uh, who's going to be the starters? How how is health going to play out the entire season? Take it or leave it. Lars Newbar plays the most games of all of them in the outfield. See, I'm going to take that. They're really fired up about him. He's shown himself to be a really durable player, right? He doesn't yep. get hurt. Yep. Carlson hasn't. O'Neill hasn't. Walker's not going to be here long enough. Burleson maybe, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with Lars Zubar being the outfielder of the Cardinals that plays. Uh, let's put it this way. He gets the most plate appearances in 2023. Go. I got I got a quick one. Okay, LeBron is 63 points away from the uh, all-time scoring mm-hmm. record. Take it to leave it. Mike would do that next game. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Rock. <laughs> Even if it was in the playoffs in Even Boston. In Boston. In the garden. He'd do that. It's only 63. <laughs> It's not like there was a scoring title in the 90s that was decided because two scorers decided to score like 70 points the same day or anything. Hey, that, hey. Didn't, that didn't happen or anything in the 90s. Who was that? Wasn't that uh, David Robinson and Shaquille O'Neal? I was going to say Tim Duncan. It was, I knew it was a spur. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. He got, David Robinson he, got he 71. Got, he, and Shaq, I think, scored 63. Yeah. And David Robinson beat him out for the scoring title. But, Perfect. you know, it's tough to score back then. It was. It was all that hand checking. <laughs> A lot, and, a lot and, better players, and, and too. And the Jordan rules. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, I mean, people could you imagine your teeth out when you drive to the lane. Hey. Could you imagine David Robinson now? 
Oh yeah, in his prime. Oh, I, I, listen. Even if even the game that the way that it is now, David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon, yeah. those guys are stars, studs. Rudy, who? I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't know who that is. Carrie. This is, the, this, this is where you are. This, <laughs> if, if, this is the part where it if always Hakeem Olajuwon, blessed. If, if, and this is not hyperbole. If Hakeem Olajuwon were playing in the NBA oh in 2022, God. 2023, they would change the rules. They would have to. He, he, I mean, he, he'd that's, be shooting threes. That's, that's, that's Giannis. Giannis. 100%. Yeah. He'd, yeah. I mean, he'd be Nick. Yeah, it'd be, it'd yeah. be it's Giannis it'd be with, with better better footwork. And, 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 and like Giannis is, is a really a freak. It would be Giannis. See, I, th- I think with better I, back to the basket it's game. It's Embiid, 100. percent Well, I say because Giannis because of the frame, the body, oh, the, the body you know type. He's not three. Embi- yeah, but he's 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 not. But here's the thing: Embiid is slow. Em- Embiid and and Giannis are both fierce. Akeem was more ferocious than both of those guys. Akeem was mean. He was. All right, he's a dream. Yeah, um, the dream. Take it or leave it. A lot of experts have predicted Tommy Edmond may win a gold glove at shortstop this year. If he wins a gold glove, Mason Wynn becomes late season trade capital. I'm going to leave that. that. I still think Tommy Edmond winds up back at second base as a gold glover there. there and go. then Mason Wynn becomes the Cardinals gold glove shortstop. And then your middle infield is like, oof, what are you yeah. doing? Not a chance. You don't trade Wynn because you don't really have another shortstop beyond him in the system Correct. that could take his place. So even though Edmund is here, the Cardinals thought at one time that Paul DeYoung was going to be their shortstop for right. 10 years, and that didn't work out. So you, you've got to keep talents like that around. And I've said it before, I'll say it again if you haven't listened all the time, but in terms of just their physical skill set, I'm not saying that Mason Wynn is going to be as good as Trey Turner, but their physical skill sets are extraordinarily similar, except that Wynn throws the ball across the diamond 100 miles an hour. Didn't they give a Ledmus Diaz like a five-year contract after that All-Star appearance? Yeah, they Four-year did. Four-year deal? Right, yep. uh, some, something along those lines. I mean, oh, he, was supposed, to be, be okay he was supposed to be the shortstop for a five, six-year period, right? and it was two years. I yeah. thought he's going to be okay. He, he, he I don't know been. what. It yeah. just kind of... Ozzy Smith was pretty good. <laughs> we we have that later next week, right? We're yeah. gonna do the yeah the the, the the man after the man. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it. The Blues accumulate five draft picks at the trade deadline. Okay, um, I'm gonna say one for O'Reilly. I'm gonna say one for Vladdy. I'm gonna give him that. I'm gonna say Achari, and I'm gonna say Barbie. But I'm not gonna think that they get two for any of those players. So I'm going to go with you think, four. You think all four of those guys are gone? I think there's a really good chance wow. of that happening. Yes. Uh, take it or leave it. Pistol Pete scoring 68 without a three-point line is the single greatest sports achievement. Leave it. Well, Will. Yeah, Will scored 100. <laughs> I, I think maybe I, 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 that was the obvious like comparison, but yeah, I, yeah. I wonder if he's saying, well, you know, Pistol Pete was a guard and did it while Chamberlain was the most dominant physical player in the sport. 100 is time. more than 60. That's true. 60. Like 32 more. In yeah. You're not wrong. It's almost... It's almost I'm bad. Half, half, half again as many. Out. It's almost half again as many. Uh, take it or leave it. Kareem would be hitting skyhook threes if he played today. Take, yeah. I don't doubt it. Kareem might... might I, I mean... I'm with it, yeah. yeah. The, this game would be... It, it is hard to compare errors. Because oh, there no, were... No, no. Errors. I mean, except unless you're Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah. You, you, you translate in every error. But other than that... It, for everyone, for for us mere humans, mere mortals, it's it's hard to compare eras. It is. I, I, at some Take point, it or I, leave it. The best players in today's game would have still been some of the best players in almost every other decade. Giannis would still be good. Um, I think. I think. I think Steph would be. I mean, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking. I'm talking Steph. 
I mean, Shea Gilders Alexander, well, Russell Westbrook, Shea Alexander, James Harden. I wouldn't put him there yet. He's not, not, not yet. I, okay, fair enough. Embiid, Embiid, did Steph Jokic. need the three point line? Could, would Steph have? He would have been really good, and the, nobody would have defended from thirty five feet away. He, he but was it was still, he's only shooting twos. Yeah, he would still. He would still be a, a a great point scorer. It just wouldn't be as many points. It'd be you know you yeah you take as many three points as he has and you know take probably away, take, take away one point nine, each because probably take away nine points a game. Yeah, because I mean he's so, yeah. he's one yeah. of the most deadly shooters. He would have been just immaculate yeah. from seventeen feet. Yeah, seven but to nine way, points. So you're probably looking at a eighteen to 20, 20 point per game kind of guy. One spot. One thing I have to admit here, that's the one sport where analytics actually do work. Basketball. Yeah. Yep, because the three is greater than the two. You take it more. Is, you, it is. So if you hit 40 from three or 50 from two, you're better off shooting but the three. But then you have a team, what was it, the Rockets a couple yeah. of years ago that go two for 20? Yeah, uh, or, you got to be able to one shoot One for 19, and, and you keep chucking it up. And that's why people who say there's no two-point game, listen, the, the great players, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, these guys still have a, a, an insane two-point game because if you can hit the two points at about at, at a 50% clip, that basically gives you as many points as if you hit three pointers at just over league average. And so mm-hmm. for those guys, it's maybe not be the perfect trade off, but if you can still get the two points, it still matters and it can still work. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That's Matthew. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming uh, up here on 101 ESPN, you got. I, I was just going to say one last thing. I, I think. Oh, I know we, where this is going. Sometimes I I will leave your statement, Rock, because there wouldn't be there wouldn't be any maintenance days in the eighties and nineties. Your guys wouldn't make it. Oh my! <laughs> See, this is where you lose me. I'm okay with saying there's plenty of guys what in the last it? fifty years who'd be who'd be godlike in today's NBA, but then you guys have to come back with good take, players that would take be days off. Ten years they ago, take oh, days. it's too many man. days off. What do they call it? it. Load management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You talk to me. Yeah, talk Kawhi to me Leonard, when your guys yeah. play eighty-two. Kawhi Leonard wouldn't be good for ten in the 90s. years. You're right. He wouldn't. He'd be hurt. Oh, His body's banged Lord. up. Guys, the uh, Super Bowl <laughs> is in Arizona this year, and there are multiple reasons that I want to be in Arizona for the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you one of those reasons next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
right, there's research companies that send us stuff around this time of year all the time. It's 8.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The date is 2-3-23-23-23. But uh, even though it is Michael Jordan Day, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, Kerry. Okay. Okay. Everybody loves a good Super Bowl party, right? And this uh, company called BOE sent us an email about the most popular Super Bowl foods in each state. Some of the, and this is based on Google searches in every state. There's no way, as much as I love tater tots, the tater tots could be anybody's favorite or most important Super Bowl food. But North Dakota, Minnesota, (laughs) Kansas, Iowa... They're saying that tater tots are the most important and uh, most popular Super Bowl food in those states. Do you buy it? Uh, I don't think I'm eating tater tots for Super Bowl part. I don't think that that's... It's, it's a nice accoutrement, right? I, I mean, I may have one or two, but I'm not I'm not loading the, the plate up with tater tots and, you know, slapping some ketchup on there yeah. and saying this is going to be my, my Super Bowl party meal. I'm good with us here in Missouri and in Illinois. In Missouri, it's chili. And I've had chili for a Super Bowl party. I didn't make it. I purchased it, but it was delicious, and I thought it was a great play for a Super Bowl party. But in Illinois, they've got the number one Super Bowl food. It's the most popular Super Bowl food and should be in all 50 states, but they have to have something to discuss here on this this (laughs) poll. But buffalo wings in Illinois are the most popular Super Bowl food. I agree with that. You you can't go wrong with wings. or with with nachos, the, the, those are, are you know chips and dip. That, that's so. That, I was thinking in Arizona, where the Super Bowl is going to be played, mm-hmm. chips and salsa is number one. The quality of the chips and salsa in Arizona, is, right, is a little yeah. different, kind of off the charts. Yeah. So that is one play. I mean, you want to go there for the game. You want to go there for the great people that live there. But you also want to go there for the the quality of chips and salsa. What is the most uh, egregious one on this list? Would you say? Carrie, this might sound sacrilegious, (laughs) but I do not like avocados and I do not like hummus. Really? Yes. Our friends in Washington are hummus devotees. Mm -hmm. So I think I would. And Nevada. Yeah. So I I think I'd probably stay away from the hummus. Of the different favorites in each state, that would be probably bottom of the list for me. What about you? Uh, I'm looking at this pigs in a blanket and I I don't really Hmm. understand why one would choose pigs in a blanket in, in Michigan or, or Georgia. Uh, and the fried, uh, Also and Tennessee. The, oh, Tennessee as well? The Tennessee pigs in the blanket as well. And the uh, the, the fried pickles are, are a bit questionable. Yeah, I'm not one that orders fried pickles. I always hear about restaurants, uh, go to restaurants where they say, oh, you got to try the fried pickles, but no. Garlic like knots now. I, you, you might be able to sign me up for a handful oh, yeah. of those. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe two handfuls. Now, I, <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not go back for seconds or thirds. Of, uh, you know, just okay. a playful. We have to add Delaware into this discussion. Okay. They've That's got the, interesting. The crab ball. The crab ball with some of those like uh, buttery uh, crackers on them, oh. or, or the, the the crab ball dip is actually on the the buttery yeah. cracker. You know, is it? It's not triscuits. What are those round? It's, uh, uh, um, uh, three nine nine ninety six forty six three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six four. We've had them in our trouble. house. Yes. I, I, I I can picture the the red box right now, the red and yellow box, but red I don't. 
What? Ritz, Ritz crackers. Ritz, there you go. Ritz Thank you very much. Oh, Ritz, uh, Ritz, yeah. So a Ritz cracker alone can mm, stand. Ritz crackers strong. can stand alone. So okay. Uh, we're going into the 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 truth zone here. Okay, we're in the we're in the honesty room. Just because I'm thinking about the sleeve. Okay. Okay. Take it or leave it. Matthew Rocchio, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. I will say yes. You have eaten a sleeve of Girl Scout cookies at one sitting. Oh, I have. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, 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 at some point, you gotta. It, I have forced myself not to start the second one. Like it, you have to yep, yeah, you walk do. away. Yep. And say enough is enough. I, it gets some things, Randy. You know, it, it just it's just our personality, and we just wanna we enjoy, we indulge, we kind of maybe go overboard sometimes. Yep. And, and and you know, Girl Scout the, cookies and Pringles. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. My favorite Girl Scout cookie is, is the tag along, and mm-hmm. those don't come in sleeves. You open one of those up, and it, there's just like 15 right there in a tray. And it's, yeah, hard, yeah. It's, not, it's hard not to polish off the tray. And those are like the peanut butter, the right? Peanut butter ones. Those are delicious. Randy, it's hard not to polish off the tray. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's it is. so hard. Well, I'll, you know I'll, I'll, I'll grab three. I'll come back for two more. Then I'll come back for another one. Another one. By the end of the day, across six hours, it's gone. Matthew, I've got a play for you, though. Okay? I don't know if it's going to work. This is a great excuse. <laughs> hey, three years ago, they gave us so many more cookies. This isn't near what it was three years ago. <laughs> We're getting less cookies for for more money. So that's the play you have to make. Uh, at least the rationalization for, yeah, you the, have to make. The whole like inflation thing, but they're yeah. making everything smaller instead. By the way, we got a text here. Uh, guys, tater tot nachos are the perfect soup, and, and nachos are the super, perfect Super Bowl meal. Mm. Loaded with the tater tots with cheese, pulled pork, jalapenos, and any of the ingredients of your choice, you won't be let down. I actually like the idea okay. of a loaded tot. So, <laughs> guys, guys, 2017 Winter Classic. I take my kids. Okay, it's, it's Randy, Patrick, and Katie. And uh, what does Patrick have to get? He's got to go to section 135. We know exactly where they are, and get the home plate loaded nachos. Okay, it is a regulation-sized home plate box okay. that weighs about 10 pounds, mm-hmm. and the loaded nachos are to die for. But this was just tater tots. Now, like I said, I will never reject a tater tot. Okay. But is it going to be my main focus? Is it going to be the centerpiece of my Super Bowl food selection? No, it's not. I don't wings think are going to be. Wings, wings and pizza. Wing, wings and pizza. And, and pizza way, is not on got the pizza. list. Nobody's got pizza. <laughs> It's like the yeah. biggest day for Montana has meatballs. I wonder if it's pizza is so ubiquitous that everyone, like when they voted, put something above pizza. Pizza's like the number two in every single one of these states. Oh, I don't know. Uh, West Virginia has pepperoni rolls. Yeah, Massachusetts has nachos. It's interesting. So yeah. is Connecticut. I'm surprised. Wow, the, the states that have nachos are legitimately surprising. I, yeah. South Carolina, <laughs> is that a chili dog? Yeah. yeah. That's mm. today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Joe Vitale, I'm sure, has an out-of-the-box thought for his first, his favorite Super Bowl food, Perfect right? Perfect timing. He's, he's oh yeah. coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com.
Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is 816. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us later on in the show. We're going to talk to our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. We're also going to talk to our friend Aeneas Williams, one of the most inspirational people. I, I don't talk to Aeneas enough, so I mm-hmm. need to get some Aeneas in my life today. Yeah. Plus, Billiken's coach, Travis Ford. You're the same way with Aeneas, oh, right? Aeneas is awesome. He's a, he's a great man. I mean, yeah. the football aspect of it is one thing, but the, the type of man he is. Is, is, is he's awesome. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Joe Vitale in the uh, hockey world taking some time off, except for those that are involved in the All-Star game, and then the Blues will get a little bit of a reprieve after the All-Star break. Joey V, how you doing this morning? Hey, Randy, Kerry, doing awesome. Sounds yeah, like I, it. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, it's never a day off. Never a day off when you're, uh, <laughs> when you're a father. I do apologize. I am in the car. I'm on dad duty all weekend. My wife is out of town. She's taking full advantage of this All-Star week, and, uh, and she got her butt out of town. I can't blame her. So I do apologize to the, the goo-goos and gagas in the backseat. But uh, Keith, Keith, Yandel, Keith Yandel, my former teammate in Arizona, said it best. We had a day off in Arizona. I came back after the day off. I saw Keith that morning. I said, hey, Keith, how was your day off? Keith had just had his second baby. He's like, day off? What are you talking about? Day on. Always, always day on. So never an off day, but it's all good. How are you guys today? We're doing well, Joey. And we were just talking about Super Bowl Sunday meals and trying to figure out what is your go-to. We have a list of some some interesting choices from around the country, but but I wanted to know what your go-to choice is for, for Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, man, there's so many great choices, right? You know, I go to a friend's house, and it's weird. We started this tradition where he'll make these, uh, these basically these patty melts, like these roast beef French dip type of deals, and we'll throw some peppers and olive oil on those. And to me, that's been the go-to. But any kind of finger food for the kids and for the adults uh, around the table is certainly uh, certainly I'm a go-to. Anytime you can get a loaded plate of nachos for me too, Carrie, with the with the jalapenos and the beef and the cheddar, I mean, to me, it's all good right there. Joey V, another question that we asked in the last segment was, and I gave these guys a take it or leave it, you have sat down and you're a, a, you're, you're in great shape still You're in your post-playing career. Uh, take it or leave it, though, you have sat down and devoured an entire sleeve of Girl Scout cookies at one sitting. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Uh, uh, sleeve or box? I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's get real here. Let's get real. When we when those Thin Mints, when those Thin Mints show up at the door, we just throw them directly in the freezer. I'm sure you guys have done mm-hmm. something similar to this. Uh, thin Mints in the freezer it is amazing. It's amazing how quickly those things go away. My my wife and I, the ongoing joke is that we have a bunch of little a bunch of little mice uh, mice or squirrels in the middle of the night that get up and eat our cookies. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wake up. I'll wake up the next morning and like half the sleeve gone. And I'm like, what happened to these cookies? And I was like, we really need to call up, you know, Rottler Pest Control. I, mean, I think these these rats are getting a little out of control. I was like, yeah, these big doggone gerbils and the rabbits and squirrels in the middle of the night. So that's the ongoing joke. But no, those Girl Scout cookies, not only a great cause, but uh, certainly those thin mints in the freezer are, uh, are something special. Do you guys like Samoas? A lot of people don't like coconut. I, I am not a coconut fan. Okay. How hey. about you, Joey? Not not a massive, not a massive coconut fan, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I will throw some coconut in my water, like make a coconut water. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, no, I'm not I'm not huge. But listen, I don't eat any cookie. You know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not prejudiced to different cookies. I mean, especially <laughs> with those Girl Scouts. Um, you know, my wife and I every now and then will crumble up the thin mints and throw it in the ice cream. Um, certainly a great treat there. Uh, a great a great treat there as well. But I'm actually in the process of making some homemade cookies 
uh, for my wife. She's out of town with some friends. We're gonna I'm gonna make some homemade cookies and with the kids this weekend. And uh, there are these Levon Bakery cookies. I'm sure some people have had them. They are they were they were originated in New York, and they were these two marathon running um, ladies. They're best friends. They used to run marathons and triathlons, and they needed like something to like sustain them while they're kind of burning all these calories. So they created these like chocolate chip walnut cookies, and I mean, guys, look them up. L E V A I N Levan Bakery chocolate chip cookies. These things are the size of your head. I mean, they are huge, <laughs> and the and the idea is that you you you. you, you Build them up like a softball, and then you throw them in a, in a hot oven. So then the then the outside will will cook and crisp quickly, while the inside is almost like cookie dough consistency. So it's really really great. So it's it, it's expensive because the walnuts and the chocolate chips, and I and I go all out with the quality of ingredients. I get the Ghirardelli chocolate, I get the organic walnuts. I drive my wife crazy, but ingredients are important. Uh, so they are expensive. It's like six bucks a cookie, but uh, we'll, we'll devour those a little bit later this weekend, no doubt. Well, Joe, you talked to us about making bread, and, and obviously bread is soft. So how do you keep the cookies soft? I, I don't like my cookies to be hard. I, I like them. I don't want to have to warm them up to get them soft. I like them to be soft as soon as I take them out of the bag or out of the box. Well, hey, see, here, here's here's the trick, uh, Carrie. Um, you're, you're wrong for liking a completely soft cookie. I'm, mm. I'm telling you, you are wrong. You're just, really? you're just wrong. Hey, you're just flat out wrong. No, <laughs> no, I mean, to me, I always encourage people to to. You, there's got to be a balance, right? I mean, bread's the same way. Like a sourdough, a sourdough uh, bread, a sourdough slice. You want that like hard, crusty punch on the outside, but then you want that that kind of like custardy, soft uh, interior, right? It's that balance, you know. And then the cookies, the same thing, no different. To me, you want to have a little crisp on the outside. Not not a lot. I, I know what you mean. You don't want those, like, dad Scottish cookies where it's just nothing but, like, uh, gravel you're, you're grinding <laughs> through. I, I get all that. But on the outside, you got to have some sort of crisp and then the softness of the inside. That's that's the balance, right? That's the balance. That's why they actually started putting sprinkles on on on, on cookies or on donuts. Like, the, the donut makers, mm. when they were making these donuts back in the day, it was just soft. And they thought, you know what? We need some sort of texture. So what do they do? They just kind of roll them in glaze, and they actually dip them just in those little sprinkles there. And that's kind of what created the, the sprinkled donut. So I know when you go to a donut shop, you see those sprinkles, and the kids get all giddy about the sprinkles. But it's actually for a purpose. It's actually to provide some texture. Interesting. Joey, you, those of us that haven't listened for a long time don't know that before you took the blues job as an analyst, you were set to open a bakery. And we know that the specialty was going to be sourdough bread. That was kind of going to be the, the centerpiece. But what else are your specialties? What other things that would you like to bake yourself if you had your own bakery? Well, see, the thing about sourdough is, Randy, like whenever you're making sourdough, for people out there that know about sourdough, you're always left with a lot of discard, meaning like when you're refreshing your sourdough starter, you're left with a lot of waste, you know, and it's, so that's why you have to kind of manipulate it. We're not wasting so much, but people always say, what do I do with all this extra sourdough starter? I mean, you just got to throw it away. It's old. It's done. Like, what do you mean? I feel so bad. Uh, but no, no, it's like a dirty diaper. Like that, that's the waste. You got to throw that out. You got to refresh it the next day. So I got, I started doing more research and I learned from some of my buddies out in San Francisco and they've actually created restaurants and food trucks started based off of sourdough discard. So all that wasteful sourdough that you were just going to throw out. Uh, so they started like developing recipes and we'll- Oh, there's a baby. <laughs> well, we, Joey, did we lose you? Oh, the baby was sound like, sound like the baby took the phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we can get Joey back. Joey, are you there? Hope we're good. Oh, we've got a crying baby. Joey V. 
Something serious happened back there. Uh-oh. Okay, well, we'll try to get Joey back later in the show. So hopefully he's okay. Hopefully, baby, you there? Okay. Something happened there. So we'll get back to Joey, though. Yeah. Because we got to hear this thing. We definitely. So I, I, I'll tell you a little thing, and I, I don't know if this is what happened, but San Francisco used to have this place. Can you hear me? It was on the... We'll, we'll get back to, to Joey. It, it was actually on the wharf, and it was San Francisco sourdough puffs, and they would deep fry okay. the sourdough... Uh, batter, and it was absolutely delicious, and then they would fill it either with sweet and, or savory. You could have, like, strawberries uh. and cream, or you could have chocolate, or you could get, like, a garlicky thing or something like that. Right. And it was delicious, and I wonder if that's where Joey was going with this, that you can use the leftover from the sourdough bread that you're putting together and uh, make these sourdough puffs. But unfortunately, the place went out of business. They, When I went there a couple times, they actually had brochures to invest, and I, I would have invested. I would have put one in at Union Station or yeah. something. That, I mean, that might have been a very good idea. Yeah. Hey, deep fried bread. How can you go wrong? You cannot. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll at least tell you what's going on with Joey, uh, because that was kind of an abrupt ending, and we did hear the baby, yeah. so hopefully Joey's okay. Yeah. And uh, next up, we've got the fight. we got uh, somebody take, what's his name? It's Matt? Mike. 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 Coming up for round two. Good luck to him. <laughs> good luck to him. <laughs> On the fight. Next. You're going to need it. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Kelly. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And we did get in touch with Joey V. Uh, Bluetooth picked up in the car or in the house. We could hear the baby. The baby could hear us. But Joey couldn't hear us. So eh, just wanted to give you all that update. All, Everything's all, good. all good. Just jokes. <laughs> Everything was all good. Uh, our fighter today for the second day is Mike. Mike, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, fellas. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, Mike. I, I got to ask. So when you when you beat Randy, when you take down Megamind, is that like bragging rights? Do you let your friends know, hey, see what I did today and what I did, what I plan on doing again tomorrow? Was that the conversation amongst friends and family yesterday? You know, you know, I just uh, replayed the part back to the show, the show to my wife. She's the only one I told because she would have never believed it. <laughs> right she never would have believed it, so I'm glad I was able. I was so hard for that, and she was like in shock. So well, today, every day with me. Well, there you go. Today is day two, and hopefully we can get another one. I hope so. All I'm right. going to try my heart. Let's go. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. Who was the first player in the NFL, in NFL history, to pass for over 4,000 yards in a season? Is it Dan Fouts, Sonny Jurgensen, or Fran Tarkenton? Gosh, I'm going to say Dan Fouts. Happy birthday to Fulton, Missouri, native and former Cardinal, Bake McBride. When the Cardinals traded McBride to the Phillies in the 77 season, which eventual World Series winning hitter did they acquire in the deal? Was that David Green, Mike Ramsey, or Dane Orge? Uh, Dane Orge. All right, there have been 31 different quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl MVP. Who is the only one to fail to pass for more than 150 yards? Is it Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, or Bob Greasy? Peyton Manning. 
All right, and over 100 years ago on this day, this sports equipment company, the first ever to produce the official baseball, basketball, tennis ball, golf ball, and footballs for professional leagues in the United States, was started in Chicago. Which sporting equipment company was it? Was it Rawlings, Spalding, or Russell? I'm going to say it was, boy, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was, I'm going to say it was Spalding. All right, we'll double check our score. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Uh, uh, not as good as I was yesterday, but I feel okay. I feel like I got a couple correct. You got, what, uh, you, you feel like you got a couple correct? Yes. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, Randy is on his way in, and we will see how well you did today. Yes, sir. You don't. You don't make me feel very comfortable, Carrie. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Mike. You are okay. <laughs> I think uh, you'll be okay. All right, Here, you. Uh, Randy. You. you you know Mike. I know Mike. Mike, welcome back. Good to have you with us. Good morning, Randy. I'm tell- I get once again. I respect you and I appreciate you, and I really like you guys' show a lot, and I like you a lot. Thank you. That's a way to butter me up. <laughs> <laughs> butter him up to beat him down, Mike. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right. Who was the first player in NFL history to pass for over four thousand yards in a season? Dan Marino. Oh, no, no, Joe Namath, 4,007, sorry. Uh, it was Joe Namath, 4,007 in, what, 1970, I believe. All right. Yeah, final answer, Joe Namath. Happy birthday to Fulton, Missouri native and former Cardinal, Bake McBride, 74 years old on this day. Yes. When the Cardinals traded McBride to the Phillies in the 1977 season, which eventual World Series winning hitter did they acquire in that deal? So they did not get uh, a World Series winning hitter in left-handed pitcher Tommy Underwood. They did not. And by the way, Bate McBride wound up winning a World Series with the Phillies. He did, 1980. But the uh, eventual World Series winning hitter, 82 Cardinals and 85 Royals, game winning hit, game six, was Dane Orge. All right. There have been 31 different quarterbacks to win the Super Bowl MVP, who is the only one to fail to pass for more than 150 yards. Tom Brady, Super Bowl 36, 145. All right, Randy, and over 100 years ago on this day, this sporting equipment company, the first ever to produce the official baseball, basketball, tennis ball, golf ball, and footballs for professional leagues in America, was started in Chicago. Which sports equipment company was that? I am going to go with Wilson Sporting Goods that did that. Rawlings, obviously, based here in St. Louis. Wilson, I think, still does the NBA basketball. They did golf balls for a long time. What other sports did you have on that list? Uh, Baseball, basketball, basketball, tennis ball, golf ball, and football. Almost got to be Wilson. I'll go with Wilson Sporting Goods. Another tough fight here today. Another one where we don't have to use a tiebreaker. Thank you for that. (laughs) Was Mike able to push this to a potential Hall of Fame bout? Through the weekend, or is Randy going to another weekend with his hands held up high? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is driven by mobile on the run. Join the on the run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Congratulations, Mike. You took down Randy Carricker again, this time with a 3-2 win in the fight. Congratulations. 
Awesome. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Mike. Let's go through those answers. The first player in NFL history to pass for over 4,000 yards in a season, Dan Fouts, did it um, a few a few years down, down the road. Uh, happy birthday to Fulton, Missouri native and former Cardinal Bake McBride. It was, in fact, Dane Orge, who was the World Series winning hitter for the 82 Cardinals, who they brought in that trade. There have been 31 different QBs to win the Super Bowl MVP. Tom Brady, the only one to not pass for 150 yards, passed, like Randy said, 145, when he beat the Rams 22 years ago. So you are 20 leaving, years, 21 years ago on this you're day. You're leaving Joe Namath's 4,007 yards in 1967 out of this. <laughs> Oh, man. I have the NFL passing leader as Sonny Jurgensen that year on his list I'm looking at. All the all of those have been combined now. And Joe Namath threw 4,007 mm. in 1967. Well, That's fair. I was, I was, I, I, the list I was looking at had Sonny Jurgensen with 3,723 as the leader in the NFL that year. <laughs> My apologies. I, I, I do... Go ahead. Sorry. And, and then number four, over 100 years on this day, this sporting equipment company, the first produced the official <laughs> baseball, basketball, tennis ball, golf ball, and footballs for professional sports leagues, was started in Chicago. That was actually Spalding who, who beat a couple of the teams to the to – the, they obviously eventually got pushed out of the football market um, in the 60s. They got pushed out of the basketball market eventually as well in the baseball market as well. So that is a win for Mike today. Contentious what? win for Mike. <laughs> are you kidding me? Okay, I go, sorry, I go, sorry, sorry. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Fine. Are we, going, are we going to a tiebreaker well, then? I have a question because did the, I, I, and you said he got three right. I had him as four right. Talking about Mike, because oh, yeah. he, he said Mike. I, are you? You said uh, I heard Peyton, Peyton Manning, Manning on number three or Tom Brady. Peyton Manning. Okay, so they, so go. it was so three, three each. Three. So Randy's character is correct. They have combined. Three, three. They have combined so those. To go to a they have combined those stats. I was looking at a, at an NFL only list before they combined the two stats. So we will go. Well, your question to, does say NFL history. I, I that's okay. I, I went off an NFL list. That's 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 my bad. I'll, I'll I'll take the heat on this one for not combining for not combining I, all the numbers. I'm out of it. I'll take the heat on this one. <laughs> we'll go to a tiebreaker. I apologize, Mike. That is on me. So we'll go to a tiebreaker here. It's a basketball question, ladies and gentlemen. After mm, baseball and mm, football mm, all over mm, the fight. Mm. So LeBron James passed both Mark Jackson and Steve Nash on the all-time assist list earlier this week to move into fourth place all time. He is still over five thousand assists behind all-time leader John Stockton. It's an easy one here. How many assists did John Stockton record in his NBA career? So Mike, we're going to give Randy a chance here to write down his answer, and then we'll get yours verbally. How many assists did John Stockton accord in his career? LeBron still over 5,000 behind him. Randy Carricker. How many did John Stockton record in his career? Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> How many total assists did John Stockton record in his career? Okay. Got it. Okay. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right, John. We have our guest from Randy, Mike. How many total assists did John Stockton record in his career? Oh, boy, guys. I'm going to say, um, you say LeBron James had over 5,000? He, he's so. 5,000 behind John Stockton. Oh, gotcha. I'm going to say Stockton had um, 7,433 assists. 
All right. Well, then I got to replay the Sounders. I'm sorry for this, Mike, but mm. with a winner on our mm. tiebreaker. There you go, Randy. Carriker. A winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. <laughs> Download the app today. They got two for that time. I apologize, uh, Mike. Randy, Randy Carricker got you on the tiebreaker question. It was a tough one. All-time assists for oh, John Stockton. Kerry's putting his hands up. Kerry's putting his. I'm going to fight for you to be on the on the fight on Monday. Oh, uh, justice for Mike. I, 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 you know, I. There's nothing like having the game in the palm of your hand and having it ripped out. So I, I we will, we will, we will make sure you get back on the fight. Rock, can we call him on Monday so he can try again for his yes, Hall we'll, of Fame? We'll, 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 was we'll Namath we'll one of the three? We'll no, one. if Namath wasn't one of the three, then that's fair. Yeah, he wasn't one of the three. He was not one of the three, so so we we will give Mike a shot on Monday. And again, my apologies, Mike. I'll I'll make sure to uh, to to have a a perfect fight ready for you Monday. So thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you so much for joining the fight. We will talk to you on Monday. That sounds good, guys. Thank you so much. Good job, Mike. Yep. Can we get cameras sooner rather than later? I need people to see the fuming. <laughs> it was, I think I saw smoke coming out of Randy's ears. I, I, if I looked up, especially yeah, when Rock <laughs> said Mike won. He said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Rock is, Rock is going through his, his, his feelings, processing the moment for him. Randy was fuming. I'm laughing. I'm just here. <laughs> oh, man. That's just awesome to me. I'm sorry. I'm glad that Rock, you're enjoying you. my pain. It was not pain. your fault. It was, a, it was a mistake on the web interwebs. Yeah, but, yeah, Mike. We'll see you on Monday. We'll talk to you Monday. Good job. <laughs> oh, he was. You can hear the anger. You could hear. Randy didn't say a word. He was so hot. <laughs> he was so hot. You're wrong. Oh, you're oh, wrong, Kerry. God. He was hot. Oh, okay. That's a fight on 101 ESPN. Yeah, it's a, it kind of sucks that he didn't have Joe Namath as a possibility. Either. Oh. That would have been unfair, too. Wow. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk some blues and all-stars oh. with our buddy Jeremy Rutherford. Find out how his poll went at The Athletic. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Brown and Group and Celebrity Line. By the way, uh, Matthew, did you want to give that number? I, I had 15,010 assists for... for uh, John Stockton, what was the uh, number? I threw away my fight sheet. 15,806. 15, yeah, 15,806. Okay. So you were you were much closer. Okay, good. You were very close. In a highly debated contest that we won't talk about again. Uh, well, if I, if <laughs> JR was listening. Yeah. <laughs> JR is with us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning. Jeremy Rutherford, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. Just uh, having my morning coffee. I'm reading uh, <sighs> Joe Namath. Joe Namath's autobiography. Did you guys know that he threw for 4,000 yards? We do now. <laughs> Randy knew. <laughs> Fred JR, I got to tell you, 
I, I don't, Jr. You seem like a pretty easygoing guy, but I think if you were to get upset, it would it would be similar to what we see from Randy. I, I think you got a little blackout rage in you, but you're so nice uh, that that it, it doesn't necessarily come out. Have you ever seen Randy blackout? I you know I have never seen it in person, but literally five minutes ago I was driving down the road and it was coming through the speakers of my Ford <laughs> One Fifty. Feel it. <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel it for sure. I, I, I will tell you. <laughs> As I threw my arms up in disgust and said, are you going to just completely ignore Joe Namath? I did not see Carrie. I did not see Rock. I did not see the wall. All I saw was red. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, it, it does exist. There's a lot of emotions going I, on in this room, JR. Just, yeah, uh, I got to tell you, you know, that one was with Namath, though. But uh, usually when he gets like that, as you know, Carrie, it's, uh, it's usually the WNBA. So I was oh. ready for him, uh, you know, if he gets that question. I heard him say, Randy, your, your go-to is Candace Parker every time. Every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah. Not a bad play. Not a bad play. Hey, JR, you had a poll up at The Athletic, and uh, you'll have a piece up about it. But I just want to know if you were surprised by anything that you got from the fans in your requests from them for their feelings about this team. Yeah, and good timing, Randy. The poll results just went up uh, a couple minutes ago. We put this out on Monday, and the results are up now at The Athletic. And, uh, yeah, there were 15 questions, and there were some surprises. I wouldn't say surprises in terms of, who quote-unquote won the categories, but maybe the percentage difference in, in some of the votes. So I have a few of them here I can share with you. Sure. Uh, people people were asked uh, who should share the blame for this Blues season, and the three options were uh, Doug Armstrong, the, the uh, head coach Craig Bruby and his staff, and the players. And the players won in a landslide here in terms of who's to blame. 66.2% uh, people, readers, Blues fans, think that the players should shoulder the blame for what's going on this season. Doug Armstrong at 31.2%. Craig Burby and his staff, and I think this is uh, what, what was expected because people don't put a lot of blame on them, just 2.5%. Uh, moving along here, uh, what's the one thing, part of uh, Armstrong's uh, work this year that probably has led to the lack of success? And people came up with the lengthy term contracts, the six, seven, eight-year deals, 50.3% of the the votes cast said the lengthy term contracts the construction of this particular team 36.3 percent paying your young players too much too soon 7.1 percent and then i'll give you another the contract that uh, readers voters wish they could take back any guesses there i'd say colton preco colton preco ding 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 41.2 percent tory krug comes in second 21 24.1 and marco scandela third 12.5 so you know some good variety there and i think if you watch the blues games and you listen to talk radio and you got your opinions on on things you can uh, log on to this poll and you got 2500 other people who voted so a pretty good uh, share of of what other people are thinking hey jr looking at this team and and obviously the way that it's constructed and and people really placing the blame on the players for the most part what do you think needs to happen uh prior to the trade deadline and 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 the question that i've been asking all week is if they actually go on a winning streak let's say they go eight and two i think there are 10 games before the deadline when they get back are they still looking to trade all of these these pieces for for draft picks what I've heard, uh, just kind of talking to people around the league, is that the Blues are in sell mode. I don't think that any sort of record, even 10-0, and 0, would get to a point mm. where the Blues would kind of hang on to things and, and try to make something of this season. Uh, you look at the O'Reilly and Tarasenko, those are two valuable assets that they could uh, trade at the deadline. Talk to Tarasenko 
yesterday. He said that uh, hasn't had any conversations recently with Doug Armstrong, so it doesn't look like, even though there's a lot of time left, it doesn't look like there's a, a contract extension or any sort of, of thing there or a trade eminent because he would have to approve uh, the, the trade because he's got that full no-trade clause. So we'll see what happens there. But I think, Kerry, even when these guys come back next Friday, uh, they're going to be in sell mode, and Doug Armstrong's going to gear his thoughts uh, in his talks with other GMs around the league to that. And, Jr. it seems like the Blues fans are ready for that, right? You had 46% saying, yes, this latest stretch convinced me that the Blues should give up on the season. So it doesn't seem to me as if Blues fans will be bothered by the Blues essentially packing it in. Yeah, I don't think so, Randy. I don't think this is like the year when they did trade uh, Paul Stastny and actually won a round and then lost to Nashville in the second round. You know, even some players. I remember talking to Braden Shen in the, the hallway there at the uh, hotel in Minnesota, upset that they moved Paul Stastny when they were so close to a playoff picture there. Uh, but I think this is different. I think fans have kind of resigned to the fact here. And, you know, that percentage, 46%, kind of surprised me a little bit because it took until now to this last stretch, 0-5 heading into the break, before people were willing to say that this isn't going to work this year. So I, I think that uh, the next percentage in that category, Randy, was about 24%. People uh, or hoping that the Blues could tank and get counter Bedard. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that, as you mentioned, fans seem to be uh, okay with uh, you know packing it up this season and seeing what you can get for these guys. So, Jr., if they do trade, make trades at the deadline, what does the future look like uh, for this team for the rest of this season and going forward next season and, and beyond? Yeah, and, and not to bring the poll back into this, but uh, that was another question we asked. Do you think the Blues should retool or rebuild? And a rebuild, I, I, I put the number three to five years. And a lot of people said retool and stay competitive. Now, can they do that if they hit the reset button this off season and still be competitive next year? I suppose they can. I mean, we look at missing the playoffs in 2017-18 and then winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, the following year, so anything is possible. Uh, but I go back to what we talked about a second ago, these long-term contracts. Even if Doug Armstrong is able to move Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, maybe even Barbashev, get some assets, it's going to look like the same team coming back from the perspective of that blue line, the defense. Unless you're able to move one of those long-term contracts, I don't know how quickly you can kind of be that competitive team again based on the defensive effort we've seen this year. JR, one more thing from me. You mentioned talking to Vladimir Tarasenko. You had an exclusive interview with him, and the results of that are up at The Athletic as well. If you're the Blues, are you more inclined, and maybe as media members, are we more inclined to want to keep him around if he'll consistently go third person? I, the first thing I heard this morning when I woke up, I turned on the app. The very first thing I hear is Kerry talking in the third person. Uh, I, love I love it. it. I, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> and you guys are right. Ricky Henderson is uh, is famous for that. You know, you you always feel for a player when you are interviewing him. But you know, Vladimir Tarasenko has been in St. Louis long enough, been in North America long enough, and so uh, yeah, does he choose his words uh, carefully? Uh, but, uh, you know, could you ask him, hey, you spoke in third person. Do you know what that means? I don't know. Um, so I, I think this is a little bit different situation than, than maybe Ricky. Uh, you. But you're right. Those, those elite level stars, you know, sometimes flip into that third person and Vladdy did yesterday. So, you know, I give credit to, to him uh, for taking the questions yesterday. And, and a lot of stuff, you guys know this, um, you can't fit everything into the article. There was mm-hmm. a lot of talk from him yesterday about how he really wanted to come back and help this team and be with his teammates. You know, is that player speak at the deadline? It, it could be, but 
you know, the article talks about what he thinks about the no trade clause and talking to Doug Armstrong, so on and so forth. Uh, but listening to him yesterday on the phone, a lot of talk about hoping that he could get this team into the playoffs somehow. JR, you provide great material as always at The Athletic and here on 101 ESPN. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Yep, you guys too. Thanks for having me. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Cardinal lineup is getting a lot of accolades, and a guy that we know well, who knows a lot, has given them some of the highest accolades. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carry break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, good to have you with us. Our buddy Greg Amzinger joined us yesterday here on 101 ESPN. And Kerry, I, I gave him my lineup. And by the way, my lineup is a little bit different than the one that Katie Wu has at The Athletic. But I suggested to Greg the lineup of Donovan, Carlson, Goldie, Arenado, O'Neill, Contreras, Yepes, or Gorman, Newt Barr and Edmund, I think that'd be a great lineup. And I asked Greg Amzinger what he thought of that. I absolutely love that. I I really like that lineup. Uh, so many people want to put Tommy Edmund in the leadoff spot. I think he's a weapon as that number two, you know, one A, one B leadoff guy in the ninth spot. Grinds out at bat, switch hitter in the nine hole. Donovan is an on-base guy. It'll be interesting to see if he can replicate what he did last year. I mean, from everything we've ever seen, from his college years to his minor league numbers, he's an on-base machine. Um, Dylan Carlson is going to have a lot of pressure in that two spot. That You're going to find out pretty quickly, to me, by making a lineup that looks like that, Randy, if Walker's going to get to the big leagues once his time comes, in a month and a half into the regular season, it might be right there slated in that two spot if Dylan Carlson can't get it together. If you can put Jordan Walker in a position to succeed and you're completely confident in him, then you let him hit against Paul Goldschmidt, where he's going to see a lot more strikes. Okay. But, and I, I get where Katie is coming from. Katie's idea is to have Donovan and Newt Barr at the top of the lineup. My only concern there is, at some point, you're going to get to a point where the other team can bring in a couple of left-handed pitchers uh, or, or one left-handed reliever, and it has to face a minimum of three. Well, if it's Edmund hitting right-handed Donovan and Newt Bar, I don't like that as much as I would like having the switch hitter hitting second and then moving Newt Bar down either to, to seven or eight. I'm fine with that. But either way, Kerry, it's, it's set up. I love the group of hitters. I think that there's a, a ton of potential to score a ton of runs with that group of hitters. Well, I, I agree with you. I think when you're looking at this Cardinals team, how it's constructed for this year, you're looking at a team last year that was top 10 in runs and in hits and average. And so you are you are comfortable adding with the addition of Wilson Contreras knowing, you know, that's a that's another hitter that should be make the make the the, the lineup be that much better. Potentially Jordan Walker, a healthy Tyler O'Neill. I think all of those people coming into this lineup is going to make it much better. I think the concern is, and and I think this team is going to be is, is going to ride on the pitchers with mm-hmm. the, the starting pitchers and the bullpen. We were talking about it off air. Does this bullpen give you any confidence? Are you are you high or low on them? And you or are you just kind of meh? And and I think when I look at this bullpen, one name that sticks out to me is Jordan Hicks because I think he's an A A A minus A. 
A average, A plus can be a pitcher, but the rest of that 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 middle relievers and, and closers is kind of eh, what do we have? And we'll get to that in a moment. Let's just touch on the position players because I'm I'm bored with what Katie has here at the Athletics. She's got Contreras and Kisner as the catchers. Ivan Herrera missing out. We okay. can agree there, right? Yep. Infielders: Arenado, DeYoung, Edmund, Goldie, Gorman. That's going to be the group. Now, she doesn't have Brendan Donovan listed as an infielder here, but he's going to be one of the infielders. I, I, she's got him as a super utility guy. I, I wonder if Donovan might get more opportunities at second base than Gorman, at least initially. But either you way, so? that, that group is going to make the okay. team. Yep. Outfielders. She's got Carlson, Newt Barr, O'Neal, Yepes, Burleson, with Jordan Walker and Moises Gomez missing out at the beginning of the season. Hmm. I, well, I think it depends on health how how quickly either one of those guys are are called up. I think Jordan Walker. We were talking to to John Denton the other day. He said he thinks he could break camp and mm-hmm. and be on the opening day roster, depending on how well he performs in spring training. And and by all accounts, if he's the next best hitter since Albert Pujols, he should perform pretty well. Um, so that's something to be looking out for. I. I if he does start the day, start the season on open day roster, he's the starting right fielder. Right, he no has question. to be, and that's my point. He has to play every day, whether it's here or in AAA. Yeah, Walker has to play every day, and I would have a preference unless their thoughts about Alec Burleson have changed. Mm-hmm. I don't want Alec Burleson to be a bench player either, right? Because he's got a chance to be a pretty good major leaguer. Okay, the starting pitching we know what it is. It's Flaherty, Matz, Michaelis, Montgomery, and Wainwright. Now here's the concern okay. that you have. Yep. Katie Wu has Henderson's Cabrera making the team, along with Giovanni Gallegos. And I, I, I feel good about Gallegos as your seventh or eighth inning guy. I feel better, I think, about him than you do, Kerry. Yeah. Helsley's your closer. Mm-hmm. Hicks, seventh or eighth inning. Hudson is your long man. Palante is a really nice emergency ground ball guy. Chris Stratton is an interesting pitcher here. And... Katie has Drew Verhagen making the team. The Cardinals have confidence that he can bounce back after an injury plague the year last year. He's got the contract, carry, and unfortunately, the contract plays. So he's probably here. Would I rather have Zach Thompson in my bullpen than Drew Verhagen? Yes. Jake Woodford, she's got just missing. I'm fine with him being ready to come up if there is a need for a starter and him being stretched out at AAA. Wilking Rodriguez, whom they acquired as a free agent during the offseason, will be a nice emergency guy to bring up. Libertor, at some point they're going to have to decide what yeah. to do with Matthew Libertor. Yeah. And then Packy Naughton. So my preference would be, and I don't dispute what Katie's saying about pro- projecting this, but my preference would be to have Zach Thompson over Drew Verhagen. And so, I mean, there's a that's the dilemma, right? Trying to yeah. figure out the correct pieces to have in that bullpen, the, the correct guys that are that are going to be able to help sustain wins or, or keep you from getting too far down if you're if you're losing a game. You you talked about Matthew Libertor and figuring out what he is. Is he going to be a, a starter or is he going to be a middle reliever? What where if he's not up. And, and, and pitching every day, would you want him? Or if he's not a starter, would you even want him to be here? Would you, or would you want him to get you know more reps, more innings down in the minors? I would want him to get more reps in the minors. And I, if I get to the end of spring training and mm-hmm. he he's not part of my major league team, like Adam Wainwright came up in '06, he was a bullpen guy and then became a starter in '07. If Matthew Libertor isn't going to be a key part of your staff. And by the way, he's still a pretty young guy, 23, 24. But
But at this stage of his Cardinal existence, if he's not going to be on your major league team, I think you're better off moving him. Just trading him? Yeah. And getting something back for him. Yeah, that's my thought. I, I can I can see that. I, I mean, there are a few names. Uh, there are, are there any question marks for you on here? I mean, we we talked about. I think Gallegos is is fine in the eighth inning. Ryan Helsley's fine. I, I know he had the the finger issue that caused you know some runs fine. in the in the in the playoffs. I I am a Jordan Hicks fan. I, I think he is a special talent and needs more opportunities to to pitch more innings potentially and and get more. Uh, op- opportunity to show mm-hmm. what he's capable of. Dakota Hudson, Drew Verhagen, Dakota. I, I, I'm still the jury for me is still out on him. He, he's a young guy, but and I know you talked about the pitch timer mm-hmm. that's going to be more beneficial for him. And but I'm what, still waiting to see it. We'll get a good view of him in spring training mm-hmm. just to check his stuff because no way, no, no, Michaelis because right. they're on the World Baseball Classic team. This is a big spring as far as I'm concerned for Dakota Hudson because for me right now, your sixth starter is Hudson, and I would have Palante as my seventh starter, but you've got people like Libertor at the moment and Connor Thomas lurking. I would If Zach Thompson isn't going to be here in the bullpen, I'd prefer to have him starting at Memphis, by the way. Okay. But the Cardinals will have some guys, Graceffo too, down at the minor league level in AAA that they can bring up on a moment's notice when, not if, but when, they have injuries. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, stick around because by the bottom of this hour, you're going to feel a lot better about your day because we're going to be joined by the great Aeneas Williams, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, the pastor, joining us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis will be back through the door momentarily. I'm Randy Carricker. And sometimes you have good friends and you just get so busy, you don't get enough time to talk to friends. And uh, that's the way I feel about Aeneas Williams, because I love Aeneas Williams. And I I know that Aeneas loves me because of the human being that he is. But uh, occasionally I'll just shoot you a text, but I don't talk to you enough. And I love hearing your voice. Uh, Aeneas is on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, the Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame human being, Hall of Fame football player. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic, and the love is shared is mutual. So glad to be on with you and Carrie, and thank you for the joy, the delight, and the excitement over the years uh, that you bring to the region of St. Louis. Let's go. It's Super Bowl time. And you're headed down there, right? Yes. The whole family would be headed there uh, in Arizona. Actually, Randy, I don't know if you know this, but on Monday I'm actually headed to Oklahoma City where – uh, the first inaugural uh, winner of the Neus Williams uh, Top Defensive Back Award in all HBCU schools, a young man by the name of Khalil out of North Carolina Central State. So pretty excited about that. That is such an honor, and congratulations to you. And it couldn't be named after a better player and a better person and such an inspiration, right? The, the, it, this is going to be a big award, and you are such a proud HBCU alum. It must make you really proud to have that award named after you. Well, one, just having guys like Roy Williams, who are actually on the board for uh, the Jim Thorpe, I should say the committee, the Jim Thorpe Award uh, winner, I always knew about Jim Thorpe, and he did, uh, also did my uh, my my history as it relates to understanding who he was. 
Olympian athlete baseball guy. But for that, my award will be in concert with that exact award. So the top defensive back in in all of uh, college football, as well as the Nias Williams HBCU, it will be at the same banquet. It's humbling because it's one of those things that goes on in perpetuity. So long after I'm gone, my children, grandchildren. I have this award as well. That's absolutely amazing. And it's great to have you on with us. I I often talk about, you know, when you myself uh uh Isaac used to work out together your work ethic and and you all you and him were were one and the same you all were pushing one another which forced me to be able to push myself a little bit harder where did that work ethic come from to to understand not only to understand the game but understand the amount of work that was needed to be successful in in the NFL well one is twofold and I like to make sure I share with young people because it's not just uh, working hard people can work hard at the wrong thing so yeah. carry I initially got it just from watching my parents, Lawrence and Lillian, uh, at the at the house. They never set us down and say, "Hey, let's teach let's teach you on a chalkboard how to work hard." They modeled it. But then once I be uh, gave my life to Christ and understood how important it was to work hard at the right things, that's what made it even more important. And Isaac and I knew, and many others knew that the season was determined by the off season. So I would hire train my trainer, Mac Newton, back in Phoenix. They taught us how to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and that played a huge part in our success in the league. I remember one day asking you, because you were always giving out great information when we were working out uh, and, and coaching us up, you know, really to, to show us how to be professionals. And I asked you one day, are you going to be a coach? And you said, no, I'm going to coach souls. I don't want to coach football. I want to coach souls. Do you remember that conversation? Absolutely, and, and coaching is a wonderful profet, uh, profession. And actually, when I was with Coach Marks, Kerry, and I was letting him, Lovey, know, because Lovey, I was going to retire. They, they wanted to offer me the defensive back coaching position right away. Mm-hmm. And I just shared with them. I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew how important it was to be very clear with that. But I loved the game of football. Aeneas Williams, Pastor Aeneas Williams from the Spirit Church. And Aeneas, I'm sure you see this and hear this all the time, and especially at the church, because I've been there and I know how you relate to people and people want to invest in you. They, they want to share their issues with you. We have a lot of problems in this world coming out of the pandemic. Not, a lot of kids didn't get a chance to go to school, develop social skills, develop leadership abilities. There's a lot of mental issues around our country right now. How are you talking about this and dealing with this? Number one, uh, Randy, uh, the follow, being a Christ follower has a lot to do with loving people. And loving people has to do with uh, helping to understand, number one, what are the needs of people, not just your own. And then from there, using intelligence, I kind of, anywhere I go and I get a chance to share I like to share with people, I said, God see fit uh, with a lot of these challenges, particularly in our country, but he saw fit for us to be alive during the time of these challenges. So it must be inherited and implied by our Heavenly Father that we have the capabilities, along with his help, to resolve the issues if we're willing to have empathy rather than just sympathy. I want you to give us just one term, and we've got time here. We want to ask you about some other things. We want to ask you about the Super Bowl, but... 
Whenever I talk to you, you make my day better with a comment. And I don't know if it's a comment that you've got for everybody on a particular day or if it just comes organically from you. But for those people that are driving down the road today, that are having a bad day, that are thinking about stress over the weekend, maybe relationships aren't going well. What does Aeneas Williams have for those people this morning? Uh, the same thing, Randy, uh, at, at our Hall of Fame, Merlin Merlin Olson's Hall of Fame luncheon that's every Friday prior to the Super Bowl, they're going to launch a PSA, and it's uh, in reference to the 988 number that people who are thinking, young people, anyone, consider suicide, they can call that hotline number, like the, the 911 one. But what I think about, Randy, is one more day. You know, so many times we lose the enjoyment of one day because it's kind of like in football. Kerry, you know this. Mm -hmm. Our goal is not to make one a bad play, two bad plays. Right. And the greatest thing or one of the greatest attributes humans can have, and I had it as a cornerback, was the ability to learn from a bad play and then move on from it. So that's what I would like to share. If each person is awakened now, no matter what's happened in the past, good, bad, and different, we now each have the sun shining right now, even though it may be a little cold. We have an opportunity today to believe that not only uh, the possibility of doing something different, but the possibility of actually being different is possible, and that's the enjoyment of one more day. Hey, Anise, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. You were a football guy. You played the game at the highest level. You were an eight-time Pro Bowler, and they have changed the Pro Bowl to essentially flag football in competition. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Pro Bowl and the way that it is now? Well, I love it because the game has to continue to evolve. When you start dealing with this, this amount of uh, uh, guaranteed money, which I love to the current players, and having expedition games and things like that is no need to risk anybody getting injured. And as you know, over the years, many of the young guys stopped even hardly tackling. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that when there is an issue, the league's resolved to find out creative ways to make it enjoyment because for many, the, the Pro, Pro Bowl was already an unwatchable uh, type of game. So at least people get to have fun with it. And also the uh, awesome thing is about the they're playing flag football, which hopefully flag football eventually will be one of the things that's in the Olympics. So that's, that's a great way for young people to get it, men and women, boys and girls, can enjoy the game of football through flag. And so now our best players are going to be playing football, uh, flag football. So let's go. Aeneas Williams with us on 101 ESPN. The Super Bowl coming up a week from Sunday, Kansas City and Philadelphia. I know that you're excited about the quarterback matchup, two really young African-American quarterbacks, two African-Americans meeting a quarterback at the position for the first time in a Super Bowl. What's your read on what's going to happen in Glendale a week from Sunday? Well, I'm glad you brought that out, uh, Randy. Uh, this being a black um uh, February being uh, uh, the month that's devoted toward black history. And to, to have two African-American quarterbacks starting for the first time, but also their combined age being the youngest uh, quarterbacks in Super Bowl history, combined age. It says a lot of the uh, evolution and the involvement of the game of football and how sports has an awesome opportunity of eradicating barriers 
through the, the little simple game of football. As it relates to the outcome, you know, I know and I've talked with some Native Americans, but I don't know how many chiefs have actually ca- caught an eagle. So I'm kind of <laughs> telling you, I'm kind of giving you a little influence uh, who I think is going to win the game. <laughs> I, I, I think we're on the same page, Aeneas. Those eagles are uh, are spectacular. And they got two really good corners, Darius Slay and Bradbury, that are uh, really locked down corners. Do you get a chance to watch any of the players now and, and uh, watch their game, especially the cornerbacks, and, and really see what they're doing well? Absolutely. One of the things I noticed in the San Francisco game is how well the defensive backs for the Eagles tackle. There are a couple of things that pop out right away. I love Spagnuolo, Coach Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and all of those guys. But when they're going, when you're the Chiefs, you're going into a game with so many young guys in a Super Bowl. That's going to be a challenge. There's a lot of rookies being counted on to play at a high level at the highest game in professional football. The the team, the well-rounded team that Philadelphia has, they can run the ball, throw the ball. Two powerful receivers can um, also play defense. They get after the quarterback. They stop the run, and they're outstanding, not just cover corners, uh, Kerry, but outstanding tacklers in the mm-hmm. secondary. That's what popped out to me the most in that San Francisco game. Finally, Aeneas, you have become such a great beacon for the Hall of Fame. You take such great pride in being a Hall of Famer, and you go. You've got a picture up this morning with all of your fellow DB Hall of Famers that you're going to see at the Super Bowl. I just want to ask you about Mel Blunt. Can you believe that Mel Blunt, as big as he is, still (laughs) was a cornerback in the NFL? And how uh, did—they didn't have rules. Uh, They didn't have the five-yard chuck rule. How did a receiver ever get open on him? Well, one day you started changing the rules as it relates to the Mel Blunt. But think about it. He, Mel Blunt, also HBCU, he was one of the guys in school. My dad went to Southern University as well. Uh, Mel Blunt was there at the time. So I knew about him even from my dad uh, in my younger formative years. And him not only having the size, but the ability to also run and be able to stay with wide receivers. So just, but but it looks like the defensive backs now are going back, not as tall as Mel, but certainly more teams are limiting uh, the the cornerback position where they're no longer drafting guys that are, are shorter than six feet. So it looks like the taller DBs are coming back into uh, popularity. Well, I've got this list of this picture right in front of me. I'll take number 35, and everybody else can have the field. <laughs> well, if you do, you'll be doing a good a good job for yourself. I promise you, I'll give you everything I got. How about that? I know you will. Aeneas Williams, I always love hearing your voice. Congratulations again on the Aeneas Williams Award. Have fun in Oklahoma City on Monday, and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. And I promise I'll, I'll you'll hear my voice sooner rather than later, okay? Now, Randy, I can't let you get off. You didn't tell me. Kerry sound like he's with the Eagles. Where you with the Chiefs? What you got, Randy? You know what? Uh, if Kansas City was healthy, I think I would go with them. But with their receivers being beat up, they announced that Hardman isn't going to play. Juju is oh, wow. questionable. I, I like Philadelphia, too. I, they've been the best team all year long. And I, I just don't see them. They have too many good players. I don't see them getting beat by Kansas City, either. All right, let's go Battle Hawks, right? Yeah, hey, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later, Aeneas. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
Take care. That's uh, the pastor Aeneas Williams. He's awesome. And uh, he is the pastor. He and his wife, Tracy, at the Spirit Church over uh, at the crossings at Northwest. And uh, if you want to be inspired, check it out. Carrie, Randy, next up, the Billikens taking on VCU tonight. And uh, the Billiken head coach, Travis Ford, joins us on the opening drive next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Airball. Lobbed ahead. Hargrove. Oh! Terrence Hargrove with a brutal two-handed jam. Experienced officiating crew, one we see often in the Atlantic 10. On the drive, picket. Oh, what a dunk by Forrester! Forrester throws down the hammer on the putback. Pickett. This may well be as good an advertisement, low scoring as it may be of A-10 basketball, Collins all the way to the hole. The Billikens back in action after taking on Fordham this week. They've got VCU at Chaffetz Arena tonight. Tickets available. Just go to slewbillikens.com or call 314-977-4SLU. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. The head coach of the Billikens, Travis Ford, joins us. Coach, good morning. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Doing good. Thanks for having me. We always enjoy talking to you. Looking forward to tonight, a battle for first in the A-10, and I know you guys want to want to bounce back, but you have your hands full with VCU, don't you? Yeah, we do. They're, they're a great team, uh, extremely athletic, uh, you know, really going to put a lot of pressure on you defensively. Um, you know, they've obviously won a lot of games, and they're an old veteran team, kind of like us. So, yeah, we have a lot of respect for VCU, and they're having a great season. Hey, Coach, what would you describe as the difference from your team before the conference season started and since the conference season started? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the last month or so we've been playing more uh, as a team as far as we weren't playing selfish before, but we were playing team defense. Guys were kind of just worried about their own man, and we were showing them on film and, you know, doing individual uh, film sessions and a lot of things showing guys that how they can help become more of a team defender and uh once that started kicking in i thought we uh you know we started playing a lot better uh, i thought we started sharing the ball and uh getting better shots than we were in the first uh you know in the non-conference season uh we just hope it continues you know last game i thought we played 30 minutes of actually really good basketball on the road in a tough environment uh but things kind of fell apart under the 10 minute mark and uh you know, we've got to we've got to be a little bit more consistent. Hey, coach, when you are all, all are preparing for a game like tonight, do you talk to your team about what it means to to be playing for first place in the conference, or is it just more so about you all and, and playing your style of game as opposed to what the opponent has going on? Well, you know, it's it's more about that, but it, it's been mentioned. But they know that mm-hmm. uh, if we've got to mention that too many times, then you know, probably a problem. But they they know that they see it. Uh, you know, we have a big board in our locker room that actually tracks the whole A-10, kind of everybody's overall record, where everybody is in the league. So they see that every day. They know kind of where everybody is at. Um, and But most importantly, you know, VCU uh, has been a, a program that's been at near at or near the top the last several years and for a while. And so we have a lot of respect. I think our players understand they have a great team and uh, you know that that you know they need to be focused most importantly at this point uh, on the game plan and what we need to do to be successful. 
Travis Ford, Billiken's head coach, with us on 101 ESPN. And we always note, Coach, that Yuri continues to lead the nation in assists. And if you're just a, a casual basketball fan, maybe a novice basketball fan, if you go to a Billiken game and just watch him, you can have a lot of fun. He He's just fun to watch in and of himself for, for from a fan standpoint. I don't know if the coach feels that way. I would assume he does. But he is fun to watch because he's so creative. Uh, there's no question. He's uh, a special player. Great, great young man. Uh, no, he, he is fun to watch. He's, uh, you know, he's he, how he handles the ball, his defensive intensity. Uh, there's no question he's the best point guard, I believe, in the country. He's going to be going against a really good one tonight. Uh, BCU's got a really good one in Ace Baldwin. Uh, yeah, I think these two are probably considered two of the best point guards, not just in our league, but in the country. Uh, so that'd be a good matchup, but yeah, Yuri Collins is a, a special player and absolutely fun to watch. Hey, coach, we haven't spoken to you since the injury to Fred Thatch. How tough is that? You know, not only for the young man, but for the team to to just continue to regroup once that injury happens and he goes down for the year. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Fred was kind of our we even before he got injured called him our X factor. He did a little bit of everything for us. Uh, handled the ball with Yuri a lot. Was the backup point guard. Uh, was by far the the most physical, aggressive defender uh, and rebounder on our team as far as physicality. He could guard anybody on the court pretty much. Um, and, yeah, he did a lot for our team. Uh, and we knew we were going to miss him. It really showed last game a little bit. We were talking about it really showed, um, you know, not having him for, you know, really for the first time just because the physicality Fordham played with. Um but, uh, but you know, Fred's, uh, Fred had his surgery. It went very, very, very successful. Um, and he's going to, you know, he's going to be successful in his, in his career, whatever he decides to do. But no question, it's, uh, it was a tough blow for our team. Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens, with us on 101 ESPN. And we need a big crowd tonight. Billikens taking on VCU. Tickets available at slewbillikens.com. Coach, as we wrap up here, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the difficulties that Terrence Hargrove was experiencing with his mental problems. And it's a different world now than when you played or when you started coaching. How much of an eye-opener was that for you to know about what he was going through and has it changed the way you communicate with and deal with players? Uh, you know, we know what's going on. You know, it, uh, there's a lot going on with these young men. Uh, that's probably one example. Um, you know, these kids, ever, you know, everybody kind of just sees the, the play on the court, the two hours on the court, or if you're watching us on the road on TV. Uh, these young men have a lot going on from beginning of the morning to late at night as far as they have academics, they have tutors, they have weightlifting, they have social life, uh, families. There's a lot going on besides just bouncing a basketball. And, uh, you know, we deal with that on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, we take very seriously. And, uh, you know, I think we're seeing it a little bit more and more nowadays that, uh, you know, social media and different things. Um, I think contribute to a little bit of it, but uh, but yeah, it's something that uh, is not just with you know TJ, but it goes on with a, a you know a, a lot of people and a lot of these young men. Sure, and, and students in general, right? If you if you're a college and, student, a high school student, that there are pre- inherent pressures in just leading a, a teenager, young adult life. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I think anybody uh, would tell you that that's dealing with 
you know, these uh, these teenagers and young men and women uh, on a daily basis is, uh, you know, they're going through things that, uh, you know, uh, you know, they need help with. Um, and hopefully they're sharing it uh, so you can give them help. But, no, it's something that uh, you take very, very serious. Coach, how do you find a balance with that? It, it, we all know, you know, college sports, we are we are there to to work hard. We're on scholarship. We got to we got to work our butt off to, to be the best football or basketball player we can be or whatever sport it is. But as you said, the, the mental part of it is is a fine line of of trying to push a person too far or really just hugging them and saying, hey, I got you. I love you. I'm here for you. How do you do you find that balance? Yeah, it, it's really important, really important. And, you know, what I've always tried to do, you, you know, you've got to develop a relationship with these, for me, uh, the young men uh, on a daily basis off the court more than you do even on the court. Uh, uh, because we spend so, you know, coaching the X and O's of basketball is probably one of the least things I do. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's important that these, uh, that these kids understand it's not just all about winning and losing. That's just kind of a, a side part of it. Uh, this is about growing uh, as a young man, growing and getting an education, growing and preparing yourself for what is next. And as you go through that, we know there's going to be some things creep in, some adversity that creeps in and whatever direction that comes from, whether it be mental or physical or whatever it may be, uh, you know, no different than every single Bilkett fan wants us to win every single game. So, well, so do we, but that's just not, that's not life. And we tell our kids, Dealing with adversity is part of life, but you need help with that. Don't think you can do it on your own. You need help when you're going through tough times. You need help. Life is not going to be perfect. We had won six in a row. We'd love to have won or seven in a row, whatever we'd won. We'd love to have won seven in a row but and keep winning every single game. Um, you know, that's just, you know, probably not reality all the time. So how you deal with that and making sure these young men know that, uh, there's going to be, it's not if, when difficulties come, mentally, physically, whatever it may be, you need help. Travis, thanks so much for that insight. That's uh, that's meaningful stuff, and it's good to hear about. And on the basketball side, early start tonight, 6 o'clock, and hopefully we'll have a big energetic crowd because I know your kids really respond to that home court advantage at Chaffetz. Oh, it makes a huge, huge difference. As you said, it's a, it's a 6 p.m. game against uh, a great team. It's whiteout night. And, Call it blizzard night, and it's uh, everybody wear their white Billiken gear, and uh, it uh, we need it packed. It does make a difference. It does make a difference. So uh, hopefully there'll be a big, big crowd here. That's what we're expecting. And coach, I, I don't have the white on yet, but Kerry will tell you what I'm wearing right now. St. Louis Billikens pullover. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So hey, we'll we'll see you there tonight. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and good luck. Thanks, guys. See you later. That's Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens. And that t- you're, you're a coach. That's hard stuff to talk about, right? It and is. Terrence Hargrove, if you didn't read the piece that Stu Durando had at stltoday.com, you can find it about Terrence Hargrove. But he considered suicide, and he's bounced back. He got help from his parents and from the, the staff there at St. Louis University. And uh, every student is dealing, especially post-pandemic, with some problems. Nobody's got a perfect life right now. And it's imperative that we, as the adults Mm -hmm. in the room, allegedly, uh, in some cases, uh, (laughs) but it's important that we provide all the support and also tell young people and old people that it's okay to share the issues that you have because 99.9% of the people are there to help you out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think as a coach, it's hard for these young men that I coach to, to really 
navigate through life. I, I tell my kids all the time that social media is not real because all you see is people win. You never see anyone post their losses. So in, in mm. psychologically, you start to believe that everyone is winning every single day. And if you aren't to that level, you aren't successful. But again, they don't post their losses. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Understand that people are, are you know, struggling through things and, and fighting through things, and then they become successful. Most of us don't just wake up one day and, and, and become a successful person. A lot of us have to work our way up into that. And so, you know, that's one of the things with, with social media that you see a lot of kids struggle with. Mm-hmm. And it's important to just continue to remind them that we are all going through things and dealing with things. It's how we handle it is what gets us through and makes us who we are. Well said. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, coming up, we're going to head down the stretch towards, that's right, the balloon party is back. But before that, we've got rock and roll for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Heading towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. Rock's favorite. I dream I move. I move. See how well that goes, Rock. I could be like LeBron. (laughs) What rhymes with that? Well, nothing. Like Mike. LeBron. I want to be like LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. (laughs) Ten hours, Carrie. Ten hours. Doesn't make it right. Yeah, ten hours of LeBron James. LeBron James. Here's where the baseball field, not the baseball field, but the baseball bracket of the best sports families of all time is right now. You can vote. Just go to my Twitter page at Randy Carricker, Carrie's Twitter page at C Davis, Carrie Davis 38, yep. or Rock's uh, Twitter page at Rock e- R-O-C-C ESPN. Right now you've got the Guerreros and the Molinas. Molinas up 79 to 21. You've got the Bonds and Alou slash Rojas, and the Bonds are up 78.8 to 21.2. You've got the Griffies and the Fielders. Poor Cecil and Prince. Uh, the Griffies up 95.3 to 4.7. Down. Yeah. And then the DiBaggio's leading the Alomar, 68.7 to 31.3. The Yankee Clipper is on a roll today. It's insane to me that the Molinas are beating the Guerreros at the same rate that the Bonds are beating the Alus. That's insane. We're in St. Louis. We kind of knew. Even if that, I didn't think now, it was going to be now, that stark. Here, here's where it's going to get egregious. If they if they, if they they win the bracket. Oh, no. They're going to. And it's a, it's a high probability that they will. Okay, one question for you guys. Best <laughs> Joe DiMaggio nickname, the Yankee Clipper or Jolton Joe? Yankee Clipper. I, I like the Yankee Clipper. I think Jolton I do too, Joe is not bad. Jolton Joe DiMaggio. They even had songs. And his brothers, by the way, Dom and Vince, were both pretty good too. All right, rock and roll. What do we got? Well, right off the bat, I wanted to get into this because we talked about Aaron Rodgers a little bit earlier, and I just I loved the audio when he he was out on the out on the golf course, and and the the I guess you know the starter decided to have a little fun for Aaron. This was his exact quote. He uh, also threw out another potential place for Aaron Rodgers to play. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Cole. Got any news you want to share with us? Not going to San Fran. <laughs> you look great with a cowboy star on your helmet. 
right. So that was Aaron Rodgers again, not going to San Fran. He kept it short and sweet. And uh, maybe, maybe I think he would look good with a star on his uniform. Yeah, he's not going to Dallas. Jerry <laughs> no, Jones, no. Ain't, they already didn't pay Dak Prescott. Yep. He's not going there. And by the way, he said that right down the street from San Francisco yeah. in Pebble Beach. There you go. Not going to San not Fran. Not going to San Fran. So maybe he's just going to stay at the golf course this week and not going to San Fran <laughs> while he's out there? Maybe. It's, it's possible. Well, um, San Francisco, not the only place where they're, they're questioning who's going to be their starting quarterback. Just across the, the highway a little bit up in Las Vegas, they got some questions as well. Derek Carr yesterday did the precision passing competition at the Pro Bowl, and then he talked to Ryan Clark afterwards. The majority of this clip is Ryan Clark, but I love the answer that Derek Carr gave here about his performance. Oh, Listen, Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot? In Las Vegas. Not that hot. It's uh, probably why I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> well, that seems pretty definitive for Derek Carr. Here's the thing. Yeah. When, when, when guys waffle, when they give you a 15-minute 15, 15, like, answer as to why they're, they're not leaving their team or their loyalty to their club or something like that, that's waffling. Yeah. When you get just straight up, I'm not going to San Francisco, and, well, that's why I'm going somewhere else, that is definitive. Those guys are not playing for those franchises. So he needed to be hotter. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> clearly not hot enough. I, I'm watching, uh, you know, the, the Pro Bowl weekend, you generally get quarterbacks speaking the truth, their truths. Yeah. You, you hear Peyton Manning talking about an idiot kicker of his <laughs> years ago. Yeah. You, you get the, the truth. When they're sitting in those meeting rooms or in those media rooms at the at the facility, they're, they're going to give you quarterback speak. Same with coaches. They're going to give you coach speak. But when they get outside, just a little bit, get a little bit more uh, more authentic versions of them. And, and also the uh, we need the, that we need that from sports figures. Right, yeah. Yeah. And also uh, a little bit of a breaking news from about 9 a.m. here on ESPN. Pete Thamel on ESPN reporting that the talks for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12 early and join the SEC as early as 2024 have stalled. And quote-unquote, a deal is not expected to come to fruition, sources told ESPN Friday morning. So if you're a Mizzou fan, maybe breathe a little bit easier. Because it looks like you're going to get at least one more season without Texas and Oklahoma coming on over. I kind of think you want Texas. You do kind of want you Texas. Might want, you might want Texas. Yeah. You might want Oklahoma. See, I mean, yeah, the way things went last year, are, there's are. no way Texas and Nebraska, right? They're going. They're going to find it out. They're going to figure it out, right? I can't. I, I want. To, I want well, to believe be. they're Nebraska. They should but be. I, I'm, I'm, with their nothing money, makes that, me think they are. Here's the thing: they should have been dominant for the last 25 years. You're not wrong. And ever since Mizzou left, actually, even before Mizzou left the Big 12, Texas has not been dominant. When the last time they were dominant was 2005. Vince Young. Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're, uh, 20, well, they, we're we're 17, 18 yeah. years they, removed from them being dominant. They played in the championship in 2009. Cole McCoy. Cole yeah, they, they, yeah, who did they lose to? Well, and I mean, yeah, the mayor's Yeah, he yeah, got Brock get, Purdied. Yeah, life happens fast. I'm just saying, is they, they were, it was, it was they really, haven't, you're right, though, it was like right as Mizzou was leaving well, was the and, last and time Texas was dominant. They were in the game, but I don't <laughs> think they were dominant. They were there. No, uh, they were there. They had a chance this year when they played Bama and, again, had a quarterback get injured. If, if the yeah, quarterback yeah, doesn't right. get injured, yep. they probably win that game. Um, but Texas has not been Texas, the Texas that we know, for a, for a pretty long, long time. time. Great job today by our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Uh, CD, happy 23-23. Hey, Mike Day. Mike Jordan. Michael Jeffrey Jordan Day. Yes, sir. All day. All Just day tune long. into ESPN. They've got it going. They know what they're doing <laughs> yep. over there. And so do we. 
We appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. The Balloon Party with T-Mac and Ajax, is, we'll hear some stories on that show, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they're coming up next for all of us. Thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.